passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are live with your WrestleMania 39 Night 2 post show. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. And Wei, it has been quite the weekend. And we are almost at the end of it. I'm really looking forward to a day off on Monday. It will never end. We are minutes, I would say, you know, from possibly the biggest news day in the history of this company and we haven't even reviewed wrestlemania yet um it yeah this is this could be a really really big day yes because uh wrestlemania is not the biggest story that we're going to be talking about today instead we are going to bring in our own brandon thurston from wrestlenomics because tonight it looks like everyone is acknowledging one person, and that is reporter Alex Sherman with CNBC, the man who uh, has, as you can see at the top of uh, Alex Sherman's Twitter, has acknowledged that he, he has stolen the show. He has he has stolen the show at, at WrestleMania on uh, WWE's not, big weekend. Not since Rick Steamboat and Randy Savage has, has someone stolen the show at WrestleMania, such as Alex Sherman of CNBC has this afternoon. So I'm just going to read a portion from Alex Sherman's report this over at CNBC that came out uh, this afternoon. And his report states that Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Entertainment is in advanced talks to be sold to Ari Emanuel's Endeavor Group, the parent company of UFC, according to people familiar with the matter. A deal could be announced as soon as Monday. UFC and WWE are expected to form a new publicly traded company as part of the agreement, according to the people who declined to be named due to the confidential nature of the, of the discussions. Endeavor is slated to own 51% of the new combat sports and entertainment company, while WWE shareholders would get 49%, according to the people. The Endeavor deal gives WWE an enterprise value of $9.3 billion, they said. Emmanuel, a media executive, is expected to act as chief executive of both Endeavor and the new company, McMahon, likewise, is expected to be executive chairman, while Endeavor president Mark Shapiro will also work in the same role at the new company. Dana White will remain as president of UFC, while WWE CEO Nick Khan will serve as president of the wrestling business. So those are kind of the, the overarching thoughts. There have been subsequent stories from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal that have essentially reported the, the same thing. I think one of them had stated they're expecting it this week, the other Monday so it's, it, it is very imminent, it would appear, uh, Brandon, that this will be uh, coming down. And I, I think that this is, when we were looking at the potential buyers, I think that Endeavor you could make a lot of arguments for. But this was one that I think at the same time you had kind of taken the public stance of Ari Emanuel that this was not something they were so much kicking the tires at when they must have been, obviously. Ari Emanuel made it clear that they weren't going to take on more debt. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what we're learning here, for those of us not familiar with the reverse Morris Trust, which I, I, I don't think was the finish of the match tonight, the main event tonight, <laughs> but um, 
doing a reverse Morris trust will allow Endeavor somehow to minimize their debt. Um, this is very complicated, not something I'm prepared to explain in, in detail and feel like I'm explaining it reliably. But basically, Endeavor in 2016 bought UFC, right? They bought it for, what was it, $5 billion at the time? It was about uh, $4, $4 billion. Three. Anyway, yeah. they bought it for a lot of money, yeah. and they're mm-hmm. still paying down that debt. Um, what, what they propose to do here, if, if this comes to fruition, is to, to pull UFC out of Endeavor and leave behind Endeavor, the, the streaming company, the talent agency, professional bull riding, whatever else goes along with Endeavor, take UFC out of it and put UFC together with WWE. In that process, they would be able to separate some of their debt. If they do a reverse Morris trust where Endeavor takes 51% of the new company that is UFC and W together, they can do it tax-free. So we have reports in here uh, in the CNBC article about the, the valuations that UFC has, $12 billion, WWE $9 billion, which is way over what, what the, the stock market would indicate. Uh, Brandon Ross has tweeted, and I trust that he, that he knows what he's talking about, that the, those valuations don't really matter. The market, when this becomes a publicly traded company, assuming that it does, the market will determine what the market value of this new company is. Um, and these these numbers that we see here won't matter as much. But what does matter is that it's 51% Endeavor, 49% WWE. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of questions, including what, what happens to, to Vince's preferred uh, shares and his voting power and all that. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it, there's obviously like so many questions to this. And, you know, in a nutshell, again, not an, an expert either when it comes to a reverse Morris trust that we're all going to be uh, – uh, navigating here essentially this is a like a pretty brilliant tax strategy essentially that it can actually alleviate some of endeavor's debt which uh we can get into more but sort of just the big picture of all of this uh brandon i mean presuming that this goes through and it seems this is only a question of if and not or, or sorry of when and not if it like this is obviously a a transformative uh, deal for both the ufc and wwe and when you look at it, I mean, this, as we had stated, Endeavor has this experience now of running the UFC for six and a half years. And there could be a lot of synergy here with a company like a WWE. The fact that Nick Khan is attached to this deal. Vince McMahon seems that, I mean, he continues to just amaze me at how he has played all of this from last summer to this comeback swooping in back to his executive chairman role and in a, in essence like we don't know what exactly his day-to-day duties will be but from these reports like it would seem like he will be the number two guy underneath Ari Emanuel in this this newly formed company yeah I guess we could ask Alex Sherman but my, my reading of the article is that the, the newly formed company would be run by Ari Emanuel, who we see on the screen there he would be the chief officer of the new company as well as the remaining Endeavor company um, he would run it along with the current president of Endeavor, Mark Shapiro, and Vince McMahon would be the executive chairman of the new UFC WWE company is, is how I'm reading the article on CNBC. And then Dana White would continue to run UFC. He would be the chief officer of, of UFC, which is a subsidiary of this new company. And Nick Khan would be the president of WWE. So it puts... It puts Vince McMahon on the same level, I suppose, as Mark Shapiro and, and to some extent, Ari Emanuel. Um, and so does and this mean Vince would theoretically be in charge of the UFC? 
above Dana? I guess he would be above Dana is how I read it, yeah. Wow. I don't know that he would have a lot to do with UFC, but mm. yeah, he would he, – I. Whatever I, executive chairman might mean in this instance, right? right? It, yeah. it, it still remains to be seen, like, what yeah. um, kind of power uh, Vince McMahon is going to have. Obviously, when you're looking at something of a purchase of this amount, um, the, the immediate assumption is that there is going to be a lot of redundancy between these companies. And when you're taking on such a gigantic cost, um, I, like, as as we live through with the UFC being purchased by Endeavor, like, they went through um, the UFC and there were tons of cuts. There were people there that were assumed to have lifetime jobs that no longer had lifetime jobs. And that that is one of the things we, we looked at here is that of one of these um, media companies uh, buying WWE, you would have that. That was one of the thoughts with the Saudi investment fund is that, listen, they have no infrastructure to run such a company that you would think you would want to keep that WWE system in place. Again, that, that's just one of uh, hundreds of questions that you would yeah. uh, associate with, with, with this, but it will be a, a completely different company under this. And, and there will be some redundancy for, for I, sure I, when I you're merging so. these. To, to some extent, if you're taking UFC out of Endeavor, maybe there's a lot of services that UFC would no longer have access to since it's being pulled out of Endeavor, that that, that might minimize the redundancies. Nonetheless, I think there still will be, uh, which means layoffs. Um, so something else that I've had explained to me tonight is that there, because this is an all-stock deal, um, employees who have restricted stock units, those may end up in, uh, vesting immediately upon this deal being complete. So basically if you have stock awards that you have to wait until you can cash them out, they may cash out sooner than expected. Um, so that might happen. And we, we could, you know, people have been asking me and I've been saying we could see an 8k filing as early as tomorrow morning before the stock market opens, but I have no sense of how fast this is going to happen. The CNBC article says as early as Monday. So as early as tomorrow, um, it's interesting too that they're doing this deal before TV rights are done, which is kind of what certainly when, when the Disney's and the, and the Comcasts were in this conversation about who might acquire WWE, um, the the assumption was that a company transaction or company sale would happen first, and then WWE would go on and do its renewals for Raw and SmackDown. Um, this is a company Endeavor that's merging with WWE, and they don't have networks of their own that they're going to put Raw and SmackDown on, obviously. So they're going to presumably together, this is something that, you know, the, the analysts have talked about. Oh, wow, what a dream team it would be if you had Ari Emanuel and Nick Khan to go and shop the TV rights. And that should result in a better deal, if anything, for Raw and SmackDown, as well as UFC. So. The, the ramifications of, you know, a possible merger between WWE and UFC are so immense um, you know, obviously, workers' rights and the topic of um, unionization is something that's brought up often when it comes to both of these things. How would a major conglomerate of the two biggest entities in combat sports, what would that mean for, you know, WWE's definitions of, of independent contractors or whatever the UFC um, defines its fighters as? I, I would think until, I mean, we could talk to Lucas Middlebrook about it as we have recently. Um, I would think until workers try to do something about it, nothing's going to change or unless there's some sort of class action lawsuit. I know that there's the, the Kung Lee lawsuit that, that, yes. is, that has been ongoing for years. Um, I don't know that that's going to resolve in, in a major difference for workers, but, but it does put together two companies that have a lot in common in that respect in that they have workers, talent who are perhaps misclassified, I would say in the case of WWE, which I understand a lot better. 
clearly misclassified um, and no union. And there's the big controversy around UFC fighters. If you compare them to a lot of other pro sports, they're getting a very small percentage of the revenue. And similar for WWE, we could get into a larger debate, though, about whether that's appropriate or not. Yeah, and we will try to relay any notes that come out of the press conference tonight, in particular Paul Levesque, which is one of many people you would look at as you know very, very interesting to see what his role is going to be. And even preceding the sale, like, listen, Vince McMahon was was there in L.A. over the weekend. It sounded like, you know, he was a bit more vocal over over this weekend. And certainly there is there is that assumption of like where. Vince McMahon is going to land in terms of day to day with WWE and post WrestleMania, like what kind of involvement will he have? And with, with this sale, uh, ultimately where a Paul Levesque lands. Yeah. Even when it comes to like the ethics of, of like the, the company going forward, um, Obviously, I mean, we, you know, we're people are rightfully maybe very critical of like, you know, where Dana White and the UFC stands there. But Ari Emanuel has, you know, famously protested against the Saudi deal, giving money back, you know, after making a deal. Now, does how does this affect WWE's relationship with Saudi Arabia going forward? I mean, John, does um, UFC do business with the Saudi government, though, still? Not with the Saudi government, but in Abu Dhabi, they. At one point, um, the Abu Dhabi-based Flash Entertainment actually had a minority stake in the UFC that ended up being uh, bought after the Endeavor sale. But, um, but there's, not, there's not certainly with, nothing like a UFC show where they go to, to Saudi Arabia and get – Not dollars. to Saudi Arabia, no, okay. no. So they, it's it's a worthwhile question, and that's it's a huge amount of revenue for WWE. And you're looking at something that I, I don't think they're going to be looking at any way to you know use – use a moral compass to cut off uh, revenue. Like I would think that would go uninterrupted, but it's a worthwhile question because Ari Emanuel was sort of an outlier in that whole Jamal Khashoggi fallout where this guy uh, put his money where his mouth is. And if you read, I think it was a New Yorker profile on him, like was somewhat fearful of his life. Like he had like bodyguards around him, like during this time that it was, you know, there was, there was concern back in 2018, 2019, when that was sort of at its, its peak in terms of uh, this being a a concern that he actually took, took action with in terms of just in hindsight, uh, Brandon, do you go and look back at any of Nick Khan's appearances? Do they read any differently to you now? Do you think that it was almost, um, do, do you see this as any kind of tie-in with sort of a much more public front that Nick Khan was taking just in terms of, you know, we looked at a lot of these media appearances as sort of just dressing up the company, going into its its biggest show. But you have to imagine that this sale, it was a matter of just crossing I's and dotting, uh, crossing T's and dotting I's. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, we had the the report on CNBC with David Faber earlier in the week where he talked about robust interest. Um who knows what his sourcing was on it, but it appears to to have – I don't know if it, if it was because something was about to happen with Endeavor and that that was information that he got a hold of. But there's there looks to be credibility to that, and it wasn't just pure hype as, as I suspected it might be. Um, yeah, it, it looks like you know this is probably going to happen, and um, maybe something even happened you know at the stadium where where people were – we're having conversations. You know, I, I've I've asked some people who I know were there and and might have run, ran into people uh, like 
potential suitors and people like that. And I didn't hear that, you know, there was strong Endeavor presence. It's not like I heard that like Ari Emanuel was there talking to Nick Khan or something. So, but, but who knows maybe they're, you know, this had to be the dominant topic um, yeah. of the night among the, you know, the, the key personnel that Nick Khan had mentioned, like we're going to be there uh, th this weekend. And the idea of, you know, talking to their incumbents, like, obviously this is, um, you know, it, it's breaking on the, you know, within hours of their, their biggest, uh, money show in in history um so it's you know the timing of all of this it it does uh make a whole lot of sense and uh i noted it earlier today but it very much draws me back to ufc 200 which was the biggest show in ufc's history in terms of its its promotion and coming out of that it was just um uh like that was imminent that the sale was coming and it just came days after uh that that big event in las vegas as well and it's something else we could see coming out of this. If UFC and WWE do end up being a, a merged company, we could see you know, weekends where there's a Saturday UFC fight and a Sunday WWE event, perhaps even the same venue or something like that. So that, that's something like, that makes a lot of sense. There's a ton of synergy when it comes to who they're bringing out for these tryouts. And you have the, the Performance Center and the, the Performance Institute. I mean, there's to me, there's a lot that you can uh, glean from. And I think, honestly, the idea of Ari Emanuel and Nick Khan uh, being together, I think that's going to excite a lot of people on on Wall Street. Just the idea of these, not just the next set of uh, television deals for WWE, uh, but when UFC's deals come around, like you have Nick Khan in your house that might be the guy that is out there shopping uh, UFC television deals on top of it. I, I think that that is going to certainly um, raise a lot of interest just on, on both ends of the company. Yeah. But and, and UFC's deal will, with ESPN will expire in 2025, I understand. Yes, that's, uh, yeah. I looked which, that up today is not that far away that they have. And when you look at their involvement with ESPN plus, like they have been, they have been a huge uh, impact on, on that streaming service on, on top of it. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, I guess at this, we're just waiting and there could be a brand new uh, WWE as of a uh, Monday. And we very well may be uh, chatting with you at some point on, on Monday, Brandon. Um, I think that this is just, uh, it would seem very likely that Monday uh, this this could be breaking. Yeah, I mean, I've said before, I, I, ex I expected there to be maybe some kind of bidding process like we saw for Manchester United, but that's not the way this is looking. So uh, I might get an email. Those, those of us who have subscribed to the email alerts on W's uh, Investor Relations website might get an email tomorrow morning or maybe later in the day on Monday. We'll, we'll see and uh, we'll find out what we learn. There's a I just wanted to plug, you know, uh, WrestleNomics on YouTube. There's a great chat right now with uh, Brandon and MJ from NJ who uh, talk, talked about this as it broke earlier today. So I encourage everybody to go and check that out. Yeah, please do. And Brandon, we will. Uh, any thoughts on the, the main event outcome tonight of uh, WrestleMania? I was shocked. I thought I thought for sure Cody was winning. Um Paul, Paul Levesque is, is spitting out numbers. I'm trying to read the closed captioning right now. Uh, but no, I was, I was, I, uh, predicted all of the winners ahead of time. Uh, I got, I, you know, I, I went through each match. I was correct on every one of them. I pr correctly predicted the winner of every match of this year's WrestleMania, except for the last match. Here's one note we can end on. So uh, uh, Andrew Thompson texting me this. So uh, Nick Houseman asked uh, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns about the WWE sale report. Reigns didn't give much of an answer, but Heyman said, quote, that he has a problem 
with starting things at press conferences. Was that a very nice? Kind of a clever answer there from Paul Heyman. So very smart mm-hmm. on his part, I guess. Brandon, uh, thanks a lot for uh, for staying up late with us, and um, maybe we will be chatting with you on on Monday when uh, if I have to send out the uh, the WrestleNomics signal. I think I have some some busy days ahead of me. Talk All right, next time. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Bye. So there we have it. That is the latest. There's not a whole lot more that we can go into. Obviously, this is this is a massive story that um, appears just imminent that it will be breaking. Wait, just some of your overall thoughts, just um, the news and the fact that it is Endeavor that looks to be the one that is going to be purchasing the company. Well, I think for a lot of wrestling fans and maybe a lot of wrestlers that are currently employed by the WWE, this is a, a bit of a relief knowing that, you know, the potential and at one point the strong, overwhelming favorite um, for a purchaser would have been the public investment fund from Saudi Arabia. So in that sense, this it depends probably- who you are. I would, I would never say that, um, you know, a sale is a relief. Um, I understand what you're saying, but compared I mean- to the, the, I guess the idea of it, you know? Yeah. A lot of people Which could I, I, I'd also, lose their jobs after this. Yes. I, I, w- I would also wonder like how many um, w- would have that, that aversion that it was owned by something that maybe would be hands off and you just run the company as is. I mean, you can't assume everyone has that sort of moral standpoint of, uh, of the ownership and such, but it's the unknown. You never want to be going into something that you don't know the outcome of, and nobody can be predicting um, what this new company will, will look like in 18 months. Like it's certainly, Mm -hmm. it's going to be, um, massive changes like it, it is literally the changing of a company it is going to, it's creating a whole new company uh that will be the umbrella of wwe and ufc underneath yeah um but you know I, hey man our whole lives we've had one owner one person in control of the wwe and that was vince mcmahon um and that's not going to be the case i mean he's still going to have a great deal of power but he's not going to be the one at the top now um so i'm very curious ethically how does this company change um its attachment to the ufc really doubles more than doubles its size and it, it, that it put does it legitimize professional wrestling in a different way um usada testing things like the wellness policy like do these things somehow um, interact with each other um and, and just how, how will this affect professional wrestling as a whole will it, will it give it you know added uh, legitimization and credibility that that it didn't have before will it put a bigger mic- microscope on it or will it just shelter itself, you know, with the, the protection of a bigger company? It's it's a great question. Like, to me, the idea would not be to just keep these two entities separate. And there's no crossover in terms of promotion, in terms of resources. And inevitably, like, you're going to have staffs that are are going to be in charge of, you know, it's there, there is going to be some redundancy that always comes with these types of uh, of sales where there will be people that will very likely lose jobs as a result of this. Like that is the reality of giant purchases like this. And of course, you know, one of the big topics that maybe, you know, is of interest to our audience is, well, what happens with the pay-per-view model? Um, Dude, I cannot tell you how many, that was the first thing when... Uh, like I got comments. How does today. this affect me? <laughs> Am I going to have to pay more money for? I mean, for, first yeah. and foremost, like until that deal is up, that's a peacock decision. Now mm-hmm. it is something that Nick Khan flat out said we would be open to it, but also put out the hypothetical if we were offered five X. I don't think it's just a game changer that instantly they snap their fingers and 
Like you have to remember that, yeah, you you would love for every one of your pay-per-view events to generate X amount of dollars on top of what you are, but you have now conditioned an audience going back to 2014 that you're you're either getting these shows for free or at most topping out at $9.99 for a yeah. month. And it is is that the best direction? Like you are not the UFC and it it is a it, it is a different mentality i would say a lot of the reaction and maybe a lot of maybe our hesitancy is is coming off of the initial reaction to some some news like this but aew gets away with it and that's professional wrestling and it's dealing very much with the same audience if wwe tonight wanted to to charge i don't know 50 bucks 60 bucks listen i've I've, I've never said that I, from the very beginning, didn't think WrestleMania should have been lumped in with the network. I understand why they did it, to get the network off the ground. But to me, mm-hmm. that is the one show that you're right. Like, tonight's show would have done really well on pay-per-view. And I know from a fan perspective, you don't want to hear that, that you could throw a $60 price tag on this. But the reality is, WrestleMania is the event. You you could do that. You would get some friction. But ultimately, I think that you would... Especially if it was, hey, $75 for two nights of WrestleMania. I think most people would look at that as, okay, it's it's not what it was before. But in the end, are you going to buy it? You'd lose some people. You would. Um, but ultimately, it would, it would be a big generator, I feel, on pay-per-view. I can't say the other pay-per-views, and that would include a Royal Rumble at, at this point. I, I don't know if you would go beyond that. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves because yeah. they, they are only in year three of this five-year deal with Peacock at this point. So let's get into WrestleMania here, our second story of the night. <laughs> so the updated numbers from WrestleTix uh, had night one at 67,103. So a little more than what we had stated last night. And then night two, uh, this was as of uh, several hours before the show, 67,550. So their total was 134,000. 441. And let's just skip to what WWE did announce on the show, which was again the Miz and Snoop Dogg coming out and announcing 81,395 for night two and a two night total of 161,892. So adding about uh, roughly 25,000 people to the total uh, for the two nights. Right. Um, Hey, man, a lot of heartbeats. Uh, again, you know, um, every so uh, legitimately, they sold more for night two than night one. Yes. Um, okay. if, if these are the final uh, tickets distributed, it was about uh, 447 more tickets for night number two. I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking a very small margin. Right. But somehow uh, they, they managed to cram even more people into those suites, I, I'm guessing. But uh, yeah, OK. I don't know. Is Is this what did they really want to achieve like beating like uh what is it uh, the the nc the, the the college stuff or what was the big thing that they were touting i th- i think they were they were it was some interview where they mentioned like what the final four or the, the yeah, final, final four, four just just drew um okay. not in the same building but um nonetheless okay. so um one thing to note though is that when we went into this two night um experiment mm-hmm. that was the big concern was are you going to be able to draw this on two nights? And when they yeah. announced two nights for AT&T Stadium, that was the one last year where you were like, damn, that's that's a big ask of your people. I mean, this the answer is yes. They can do really well on these two nights. You're not talking about replicating the same amount of costs because you're not traveling to a different city for the second night and doing setup and, and teardown. It's one night. 
I'm sure that they're getting tremendous um, incentives from the host uh, state, the host city to yeah. do these events that this this has turned into a great idea that they came up with. And I don't sense too much resistance to the two nights from, from people. Well, the shows have been better. I think we can almost all say like, I mean, this show crammed into last night's show would have been just not a very good experience. You know, as good as the wrestling was when you're reaching seven, seven and hours, a half hours spread out over two nights is yeah. does not feel that bad. Yeah. And, and so I, th- I think the audience is, is happy about it. Um, Even like, you know, like it, it makes it more of a, uh, of a destination event, something maybe worth traveling to even for people that are, you know, already spending, spending those major costs. Um, And they have really great storylines this year, you know, two, at least really hot, maybe even three hot enough storylines that they can spread across two nights. Is that always going to be the case every single year remains to be seen, but that is going to be the challenge now. Jimmy Allen performed America the Beautiful, and then we had another Kevin Hart open um, about cold as balls, and then we had highlights of night one, and this is the sequel, where everyone wants more of everything. So The Miz and Snoop Dogg open up the show, and our first matchup is Omos, accompanied by MVP, taking on Brock Lesnar. And as I say that these shows have uh, felt shorter, this this match feels like it happened um, like three days ago. Yeah, sorry, I'm having to. Here we go. Um, yes, uh, I know what you mean, John. Like, do you remember? Do you remember um, the Kingo versus Commander? I mean, <laughs> like we lived. I feel like an entire month worth of professional wrestling in a few days here. So, yeah, this felt like a while ago to me. So, Omos and Brock Lesnar. Um, it kind of followed the formula of John Cena and Austin Theory. It was a super basic match. But I, I, I thought this was the better opener than night one, dude. I thought like this, it was like, this was so simple. Like what can Omos do? Very little. So this is well, Brock. I don't, hold on a second, John. I, I understand that's the qualification. Should you not be looking at a full-time Hollywood actor in a John Cena the same way? Somebody who's extremely limited right now with he could, he could, you know, liably do. I have higher expectations of John Cena than Omos. Yes. Yeah, but even knowing how much is on the line for him with his health and in these big productions. Okay, I'm not the one booking him on the show. I'm the consumer that's watching this. And it's like, is that part of the advertising? Hey, guys, tune in for John Cena. He can't do much. So So it's because you've seen John Cena in better matches and you have not seen Omos in better matches that you have that expectation. I have a lot lower expectations for Omos, yes. And I think that in... And I think, honestly, like the purpose of John Cena, yes, it was to draw attention to this show, but it was also to make Austin Theory. And I don't think anyone's thinking about Austin Theory after these two nights. I would say the same about this match, actually. Like, who who did this match actually? Oh, it didn't it didn't make anyone. But I'm saying as a self-contained match. And you you can argue that point about like, I don't know. Well, okay, Cena Theory was had different aims for sure. Yeah, for Austin Theory. But Listen, yeah. I'm I'm not going to argue this was a great match. This was the worst match on the show, and it was. Uh, but, no, no, it was not because we saw. Uh, well, I more wrestling. Later I on, don't count but, yeah. the Mrs. matches on either okay. of these nights, but I understand <laughs> what you're me- you're meaning. So, like this was it was five minutes, and it was Lesnar has to lift this big guy up, and this crowd was into that story, and mm. that was it. And dude, it was. For the five minutes it had, dude, the bear hugs, like this was just, Lesnar had to sell, sell, sell. Mm -hmm. And Omos, it was just, he hit a choke slam. And then Lesnar, 
he can barely get Omos over for a German suplex when he finally hits it. But then he falls with two more Germans, and, dude, the place goes nuts. He lifts him up for the F5, but his back gives out. And then the tree slam gets countered, lifts him up for the F5, and he pins him in four minutes and 56 seconds. Now, certainly you could look at this, and to me, I don't know how much further you go with Omos. Like, now he's been beaten. And my only thought is that you have a disgruntled Lashley who was left off this card, and you can reform the Hurt Business with Omos and Lashley as the principals with MVP, and that's his next direction. And he's sort of secondary to Lashley, but it gives them something like they're both um, recovering from their treatment at WrestleMania. But honestly, like the Omos experiment, it's to me, it was building up to some guy that can finally beat him, and now you've done it. And I don't, and it, and they chose to do it with Brock. Yeah, I mean, unlike the theory match, I don't think this was ever about building Omos. I think this was simply, you know, something to give um, a spectacle to the audience, something for Brock Lesnar to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, showcase himself with. This was um, a lot lower stakes, I feel. Yeah, and and I I like your idea. I mean, obviously, uh, what is it? Brock and Bobby Lashley still have uh, unfinished business, and I think having an Omos attached to a Bobby Lashley would maybe re- reignite some level of interest in that particular feud. But you but, could do in Puerto Rico. You could do it in Saudi Arabia. Like yeah. you would, you would assume that as much as Brock is uh, talking about, I don't know what, I, how, how much longer I'm going to be around. I mean, I, I don't think he's winning this match if they don't have his next match set up. Right. But I thought the aim of this match uh, it, uh, from uh, maybe um a, uh, an attraction perspective was similar to the theory seen imagine that you wanted somebody that was recognizable as close to the top of the broadcast as possible because you're getting a lot of people on Peacock, a lot of viewers that aren't watching professional wrestling other than this particular night wanting to see a familiar face in the first match of the show. And I thought Cena provided that. I thought Lesnar provided that. But let me couch it this way for for the first match. I was very, very harsh on this match. It was just, to me, it was just very dull. It was just a very- Cena in theory, you mean? Yeah. Cena in theory, yes. It was just a very dull performance. But- Listen, I'm talking about how the crowd got into this. The crowd got into scene in theory too. So mm-hmm. if, if that is your barometer of like crowd engagement, then like that, that works. But to me, it was just, it was left, it was, it was not impactful match. And I thought um, in both of these cases, these were among the weakest matches of, of the weekend for, for WrestleMania. Um, but we will see where, where this goes afterwards. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan, and Natalia and Shotzi. And they are just racing through these entrances. Like the team would get halfway down the ramp and boom, we just go to the long shot and the next team is out. Um, Rousey and Baszler come out in judo geese. Natalia has a portion of her hair dyed green for her uh, allegiance to Shotzi. And so Chelsea Green starts off, she goes for a missile drop kick that Raquel just stands and no sells. And Raquel delivers a big power bomb to Baszler and then challenges Rousey to enter the ring. But Green and Deville jump her. And we got a few dives to the floor, including uh, Shotzi with a suicide dive through the legs of Natalia. And Green goes to pose to the crowd before hitting her high cross to the floor. Deville then takes out Raquel's knee and kicks it out. Raquel gets sent to the floor. There's a heart attack on Deville. And then Natalia does her double sharpshooter spot on Green and Deville, which is broken up by Liv Morgan. And Shotzi gets in a tiger suplex. Liv hits a code breaker and then the oblivion. But Shayna is the legal woman. And Shayna comes in and her boot has been removed. And they, the announcers had no idea what happened. 
Me neither. I, I mean, um, might have been a spot on the floor, but like part of me had wondered if like she might have hurt herself because like she was. That's she what was I thought. Like maybe she rolled her up. ankle or something because they never showed yeah. her. Like she was there, I think, like catching someone for the high cross. Um, and that was the last we saw her until she gets into the ring with, with her boot off. So uh, hmm. hopefully it was something minor. And Rousey tags in and. Rousey was pretty limited in this match, but not to the extent that you would say she was like totally hidden, but they, they kept it to a minimum with her and she grabs Shotzi's arm, puts on the arm bar and wins in eight twenty three. So mm-hmm. um, it turns out that Ronda Rousey's uh, Instagram post uh, did not upset the octogenarians and she <laughs> was booked to go over here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> um, she might be in familiar territory if uh, this merger happens, right? Could be could be in great standing. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I thought this was the coldest match of the two nights. Very minimal reaction to a lot, and this was a crowd that was very hot until the end of this particular weekend. Um, there I mean, was... you had two two makeshift teams, and that's maybe being charitable to Raquel and Liv Morgan as some like seasoned tag team together. Like Rousey and Baszler were your only real team in this. I think the outcome was like the only drama was like if Ronda um, was going to be punished because of an Instagram post. Yeah. And I don't know how many people would have even thought, you know, at that wavelength. I mean, it's to me, it's very much like the the men's tag team um, four way showcase match where you have a pretty cold division with not a lot of storyline devoted to the to the to the um, uh, performers involved and just like no stakes whatsoever. But whereas last night's tag team showcase overcame all of that with incredible action, this did not approach those in-ring levels at all i didn't think there was much creativity put in the layout of this match there was just not really much of a feeling of specialness attached to this match like we had last night so um i you know there are some limited performers here and a ronda rousey of course but man even beyond that i i just didn't see much here so if i had to pick a worse match or at least my least favorite match of the ones that were announced it might be this one yeah i thought this was under underwhelming it was a cold match going in, but it's going to get the natural comparison to the showcase match from the night before. And they certainly overcame. It was not a hot buildup for that match either. They recap Bobby Lashley winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal on Friday. And they introduce Bobby Lashley. And he comes out lugging this trophy. And he comes out onto the stage. And he just poses with it. And we just fade to black. That was it. That was Bobby Lashley's WrestleMania involvement. No angle, yeah, and I believe he continued to tweet about it. So, I mean, I'm thinking we we get him complaining maybe tomorrow on Raw or something like that. This does lead to a natural, um, you know, if you go with the Hurt Business or just an angle coming out of this, I'm sure they're going to rely upon it. But he ended up being the odd man out this year. And then they continued with uh, various reaction shots from around the world. They went to Shanghai, China, and just to all different parts uh, of the world uh, throughout the night. Up, up, down, down. We got night two. Fortunately, Tyler Breeze did not get the invite for night two. Well, you got, you know, a lot of people are on up, up, down, down, I guess. And maybe they have to cycle through. I mean, I, I don't even know if all these people are a part of up, up, down, down. They just might, might have, you know, needed people. No, these were just cameo. people who were not booked on the show. We had Hit Row, Tegan Knox, Nikki Cross, Madcap Moss, our Andre the Giant winner last year. Uh, we did have Angelo Dawkins. So at least someone who did have a Mania match. And uh, 42% of the time, Drew McIntyre wins the three-way on 2K23. All right. Well, good to know. This match... Let's let's all thank Mike's Harder Lemonade for 
they know how to choose them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I mean, if you had your your choice of uh, matches to sponsor, I I think the one for the Harder Lemonade, um, they chose well, yes. So we had a Mike's Harder Lemonade spot with Drew and Sheamus. They conveniently left Gunther out of this ad. Um, and Titus O'Neil is back for the second night. I didn't have much of an opinion either way on night one. Mm-hmm. I love Titus O'Neil in this match. He was awesome. He he yeah. added a lot in this match, just like losing his mind. It was a, a bit of the Pat McAfee appeal with Titus O'Neil. I don't know if I would want to hear this guy for an entire broadcast every week, but mm-hmm. he served his his role very effectively in this match of all of them. Like he was just losing his mind with all the chops. I thought he provided the same for the tag team match yesterday as well. Yeah, some really real, genuine, authentic excitement. I mean, he just you know came across like the a fan who loved what he was seeing. Absolutely. And you, you needed that for this match for sure. Call the police, call the police. He was having the greatest time of anyone in this building. And people were having a great time during this match. Uh, Holy sugar, iced tea, Holy sugar, iced tea. Vinci and Kaiser introduced Gunther who came out with just the most basic entrance, which perfectly fits the character. And I mean, he wouldn't have really lent himself to, um, you know, coming out with like a, I don't know, a recording artist. I got to say, like, it was pretty awesome seeing like Walter come out on a WrestleMania stage and feeling every part like a WrestleMania level act, you know, like he, he has been a world-class performer for a long, long time and, and, you know, got to appear on a world-class stage and completely fit the role. When it comes to people that were outside the WWE system for so long that you just never envisioned having success in a WWE system. Like people looked at Kevin Owens, like that was a big debate when he got, when he finally got signed, it was like, man, this is just not a a WWE type of wrestler. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, Walter was kind of the same. It's like, this guy is not going to be able to be the same guy in this company. And dude got himself into shape, overcame a name change. And he, he has flourished in, in this company. I'm certain that a lot of it was assisted by the creative change last year, but he was, mm-hmm. they already put the title on him prior to the, the changeover as well. And, and here you go. So the match begins Gunther early on uh, uh, puts on a Boston crab and drew just slaps him so hard and just calls him a bitch to release the submission. And then the chops begin the symphony of chops. And these three, had a gentleman's agreement that we are going to go out there and we are going to beat the hell out of one another until this crowd is just aghast at what three men are willing to do for their entertainment. And we are all going to volunteer, volunteer our chests for everyone's enjoyment. Drew and Seamus engaged in a chop 10 beats combo on Gunther on the ropes. Michael Cole is like at one point apologizing that he's laughing, but he is just in, he's losing his mind as is Titus here. The commentary added a lot here. Gunther took off Seamus's head with a lariat and then drew suplexes Seamus into Gunther in the corner, hits him with the future shock and then a claymore, but Gunther ducks shotguns drew and power bombs him for a two count. The white noise then is hit off the turnbuckle and a Celtic cross by Sheamus for a near fall. And this audience, they are now exploding for these near falls. Drew applies a choke to Sheamus, which stops a cloverleaf. And then there are knee strikes to Drew and Gunther as the crowd is just roaring for Sheamus. There's a brogue kick to Gunther, but then Drew yanks Sheamus to the floor. And Sheamus just looks at Drew like, how 
could you cost me this match? And they brawl on the floor. Drew busts out a Topicon hero. Then the Claymore gets stopped with a brogue kick. Drew McIntyre kicks out of the brogue kick. And Titus O'Neil was flipping out of his seat. Drew then ducks. He lands the Claymore. Sheamus kicks out of his finisher. There's a lariat battle. Neither Drew nor Sheamus will go down. There's another brogue kick, but Sheamus can't capitalize. When he climbs on top, Gunther returns with a splash onto both men. He powerbombs Sheamus on top of Drew and then powerbombs Drew, pinning McIntyre in 16 minutes and 36 seconds in a classic. This was amazing. I I love this match so much. It was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And I mean, I think we a, a lot of us expected this to be really good. You know, uh, Drew and Sheamus have established a style. Walter and Sheamus have established a style. And when you throw the combination together, I mean, they just simply seem to amplify, you know, their brand of like, you know what, like their own form of strong style. And um, it's made Walter into a bit more of a household name, certainly after something like this, um, I would definitely say um, he's he's broken out and he's fully on the map of uh, people who watch the show. And it's elevated this IC championship to the highest level it's been in years. Um, they had, I think, from an in-ring perspective, maybe the best match. Um, debatable, of, of course, you know, about like maybe drama and like how much you, you might have cared uh, about the outcome. But in terms this of- This was my match content, of the show. Yeah, this like was I understand the drama of of the main event that that mm-hmm. it had and that that crowd heat was uh, um in unbelievable. But man, yeah. th- this was my match of the show. I watch. I-, I really hope that this goes down as one of those classics. And they've done a pretty good job of keeping Gunther and Sheamus memorable from Clash mm-hmm. of the Castle. But mm-hmm. you know, it-, it does tell you about nostalgia and when a match like honestly, like Savage and Steamboat is revered. And dude, th- th- this was a better match by like leaps and bounds, but will it be remembered as such? And I know mm-hmm. that might be blasphemy uh, for people to hear that, but context is everything, it. you know, like it is, but it was also at a time when you did not get matches like that in a WWF setting. So it was, yeah. it was mind blowing to people. And then you watch something like this and I, I just hope that it is uh, remembered because th- this was uh, th- this, I had really high expectations for these three yeah. going in. They were exceeded like there, there were like, Thoughts of like uh, like Kobashi and Sasaki with like the chop battles here that totally. I was I was going back to and the audience man they were into all the near falls it was so well done and um, apparently I I did see a note from people that at, once they were off camera like Drew and Sheamus I think they gave each other a hug or something like that it was you know you have to remember I'm I'm fairly certain two years ago that those two they were really hoping to have their big match at WrestleMania and if hmm. you remember that ended up being the setup feud for drew to take on Lashley at WrestleMania. And here two years later, they got that big WrestleMania match with Gunther involved. Honestly, this to me was like up there among like WrestleMania matches. A classic. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I hope to see them somehow be able to foster this particular type of style for the IC division in particular, you know, really making a name for that belt as what they're trying to rebuild as the workers championship. Um, I really got the sense this crowd wanted to see Seamus win by the end, you know, just to, because he has that ongoing story of never having won this particular championship. And um. This was one ending where I was ready for the chase afterwards. I was like, let let them wait for it because, you know, everyone's going to get the happy moment at the end of the night. Leave the secondary title for the chase afterwards (laughs) where the guy comes up short. You can't give him everything in one night. 
Was Seamus the Mark Briscoe of, of this particular evening? I couldn't help but think that in that main event tonight that somebody watched Mark Briscoe lose in front of his children <laughs> and thought, hold my beer. Listen, um, we will talk about that. I, and I look forward to it. But I think the Seamus story is an ongoing story you can tell. But the more important project, project right now is Gunther. He, he continues to build this division and build the value of this belt. And I don't think you need to think about having Gunther, Gunther lose this until you're ready to t- transi- transition him into a world title contention level. Um, and it's obviously, well, <laughs> you know what? Well, with Roman still the champion, I mean, Gunther's probably not going to, you know, compete for it anytime soon. Can I ask you one question coming out of this? Sometimes it's really hard to track down a hard to find video feed. Like we know Mm -hmm. how the, like the last match you're trying to find that and the video quality can get a little choppy. Do you have any advice for people that are looking for a better alternative? I would suggest nordvpn.com slash post wrestling now i don't know if it will exactly improve your video quality i like that transition john <laughs> i was waiting for it i don't know if it would necessarily improve your video quality but um you might be able to watch certain things you might not be able to find elsewhere you know certainly if you're if you're having to pirate some of these streams which you should never do of course no you could get it legitimately maybe by going through a vpn nordvpn.com slash post wrestling we want to thank our sponsors of this particular show as i mentioned yesterday i've been using nord to access geoblocked content i use it for AEW plus you can watch AEW all access if you're in canada using a vpn streaming it for free on tbs.com but vpns are, are also a very useful tool for those with concerns about online security because if you do any sort of downloading of content or if you're concerned about unwanted tracking from your advertisers isps phishing sites hackers a trusted vpn will mask your ip to protect your browsing with over 5000 servers from around the world nord has doubled has doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature so even if you download an infected file threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer so um i'm going to install this on your computer john very soon i need it. uh it's it's basically basic hygiene for your web browsing so get your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com slash post wrestling and get a huge discount off your plan plus four months for free right now completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee nordvpn.com slash post wrestling four months free on all plans let them know you found out through our code so our thanks again for nord for their supportive post when all my Twitter followers are worried about $80 WWE pay-per-views every month, they could use a four-month free anything. Mm, there you go. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bianca Belair against Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship is next, and... 
Uh, Oscar came out and it, w- it was like a nice entrance that she had with like some people like dressed up in like Oscar's costume. And then Bianca Belair comes out and she has sort of made um, a tradition now of having big WrestleMania entrances. And she was accompanied by the Divas of Compton, this children's dance group that was amazing. It was so amazing that thinking to last night with the Make-A-Wish kids, I was thinking Oscar's winning the title. <laughs> like, how can we make people <laughs> sad? If you see a child, it means the other person's probably winning. Yeah, that's what we've learned this weekend. Tremendous entrance. Absolutely great. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, uh, took advantage of like, you know, where they were. The, the dancing was awesome. It just it, it made her. These look- kids were impressive as hell. Yeah, absolutely. The one who did like the, like the contortionist thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness. You're going to try that? Maybe. Um, I think you could I, pull that off. I don't know. Um, I don't think even Bray Wyatt could do that. Mm. Great entrance. It was a great entrance. So it starts off and, and there was like this mistimed drop kick at the beginning and Oscar still sold it going into the corner. And, but then they just got into this here. I thought that this was one where, it just felt like they were they were working super hard, but it seemed like it wasn't until the end that the audience truly believed that the finish was coming. It to me it was just a lot of like near falls, and the audience was sort of just like they were enjoying the match, but I didn't get the sense like they were believing the finish was coming uh, yet. Uh, but the story of this match was essentially that Oscar had scouted Bianca, so anytime she would go for like her handspring, it was an opening for Asuka to capitalize and was just going for openings with her submissions, and Bianca had her power as her defense mechanism, that whatever trap she fell into, she was able to power herself out, which was a fine story, and I couldn't help but hear Michael Cole give us this great story of these two and their distinct styles. I was like, this we could have gotten a lot of time on television dedicated to this. There is a story here and I'm getting it all during the match, but for four weeks, it was blue goo. I really hope, you know, what, what they did with this and the response to this taught them a lesson about maybe how to build these sort of matches. Um, You don't have to rely on any sort of like weird story, like, or crazy even promos, even, just build this on the in-ring product itself and what it will look like on the big stage. I mean, they really, I don't think really nailed it until that final week. And I think that might at least account for a little bit of the lack of interest at the start of this match. So uh, some of the um, key spots included a Fujiwara attempt by Asuka on the floor, but Belair deadlifts her into a powerbomb on the floor and then rolls Asuka in. Then Belair runs her shoulder into the post and has to deal with that. She gets caught in the ankle lock, but again, powers herself out with a slam. And then as she's going for these handsprings, Asuka would go back to the ankle. And Asuka lights her up with these kicks on the edge, drop kicks Belair into the post, but then Belair runs Asuka into the post and does a deadlift superplex into the ring. There's a blockbuster. And finally, Belair hits her handspring moonsault. She finally hits it, but Belair kicks or Asuka kicks out, and Belair is in a state of disbelief that Asuka is still kicking out. And then Belair lifts her on her shoulders. Asuka escapes, and we get a tug of war with Bianca's braid. <laughs> like they're just pulling with all their their might here and then it leads into a code breaker by oscar 
Belair kicks out, hits a glam slam onto the turnbuckle, and she's screaming at Asuka, lifts her up for the KOD, and Asuka holds onto the rope. And it was it was like the Rainmaker pose when as soon as she goes for the KOD, it was like this audience picked up because, okay, now we're into the important stuff where a finish could happen. And Asuka holds onto the rope and Belair nearly runs into the referee, but holds up, turns around and Asuka goes for the mist and Bianca ducks the mist, lifts her up for the KOD, but it's countered and she goes to the arm bar and dude, this audience exploded. She is right in the middle of the ring. And now the audience believes Belair's title reign is in doubt, but Belair rolls to her feet, powers to her feet and gets the KOD to Asuka and wins it in 15 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, I, I thought this was a very good match. It's going to be compared to Belair's last two years, which is a pretty high standard that she set. I didn't feel this was at the Sasha Banks or Becky Lynch matches, but I really like this story right up until the end. She ultimately was able to power out of whatever Asuka caught her in and ends up getting the, the KOD at the end and is, what, 3-0 at WrestleMania now. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed this match. You know, um, for me, like I wasn't necessarily like maybe disinterested at the beginning, but um I it certainly got to a different level, you know, towards the end. Um, I think I was just more so this match and this feud, I think, was maybe a, a bit impacted by lack of real genuine story, and maybe there, because you didn't really have much desire to want to see either person win nor lose, but I thought they absolutely managed to capture me just with the impressive physical display that they were able to, you know, showcase here. I thought Asuka was on a different level, you know, like she looked really like it was a really well wrestled match. It was movement, her speed, her technicality. Like this was like, you know, high black belt level performance. And those kicks look great on on the apron. And I just like the weaving of it. Like here's this, this, this submission ace and Belair is just this athlete that is, has this incredible power that is able to overcome um, all, all of these submission threats that Oscar presented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it, this felt like, you know, like a, what, 15, 20 minute sprint, 16, 16 minute. Yeah. Um, I, I thought by the end it was incredibly entertaining. I w- wish I had a bit more interest coming into it, but I thought the match itself was great. Do you think that this was it for the program? I do. Yeah. Um, I think Belair's had a few months now of like opponents that she can't really build much story with, like with with Alexa Bliss and now with Asuka. I want to see her in a bit more of like a dramatic kind of like personal program. Yeah, you you brought it up and I echo the same. Like you have you have all these people in the division, but you do not have a ton of viable challengers. Obviously, Rhea Ripley is someone way down the road that they can do that match. I don't think that's going to be imminent. Like you need to build up some challengers for Bianca Belair because I'm coming out of this show and who is positioned for something with with Bianca Belair? Who's positioned to take the belt off of Bianca Belair? I'm not even saying to take the belt off her, just to feud with her. Like I like you're kind of starting from scratch and maybe you do a big angle on Monday and whether there's a a call up or you have somebody on the on the roster. So, Hmm. um. Yeah, and maybe we can uh, throw that out to people if they suspect any call-ups uh, this week. Miz and Snoop Dogg announced the attendance, and then Miz starts arguing with Snoop about uh, embarrassing him last night with the Pat McAfee match, and Miz gets upset, saying, I don't show up at your studio and tell you how to rap. So Snoop says that this is our city, and he brings out 
Shane McMahon. And out comes Shane. He does his big entrance and he got gets in and he gets on the microphone and he was either blown up or he was really emotional. Um, he was emotional, John. Yeah. yeah. Like tears in his eyes. And I mean, obviously a lot of strife in his family and maybe for him personally too, stemming off of a uh, rumble last year. And who knows what, what the man has been going through. And but, who um, knows if we'll ever see Shane on screen again. Like there is a very, you, you never know. After, like if, after this, you're right. Yeah. I don't like, know. Who knows? And he probably knows like this is, I'm sure that this is a very, um, v- very difficult period for him where this was someone that grew up thinking he was going to follow in his father's footsteps and run this company and pass it on to his kids. And now mm-hmm. for the first time in his life, he's going to see a company that is not owned by his family. Absolutely. And I still have to catch up on succession. Tonight. As do I. Yes. Uh, it sounded like a very funny episode based on what I could hear upstairs. No so spoilers, please. Shane is all choked up. And Snoop says, from one OG to another, to Shane. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, Snoop Dogg calls for the bell, and we are getting, for the second time at a WrestleMania, The Miz against Shane McMahon. Uh, What? They faced, faced, yeah, we were, I think, 2019. Like in an actual match that they build? They had like a Falls Count Anywhere match years ago. I think it was Falls Count Anywhere. Oh, okay. You're right. Remember they were the team, and then they broke up? Okay, yes. All right. So, unfortunately, Shane goes for a leapfrog, and he comes down, and his knee, it, it looked to be his knee. His knee goes out, and he so, goes down. Uh, Andrew Thompson, thank you. He uh, informed me that Triple H confirmed that Shane tore his quad. Tore his quad? Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, that's even worse. Uh, I mean, it's, knee it's, and it's, the quad, it's, they're it's bad. The McMahon family thing. Hunter, Vince. Hunter twice. Thing. Yeah, twice tore his quad. Mm-hmm. So he comes down, tears his quad, and he's down. And you can see Miz at first is just wondering if he's selling. And then Snoop Dogg is in there. And Snoop Dogg, you can see the ref is like, dude, this is this is legit. Because um, this guy's kind of out of his element. And dude, Snoop Dogg just like quarterbacks this thing. He just thinks on his feet and starts attacking the Miz. And dude, Miz again, like he just go, he rolled, he literally Bravo. rolled with the punches. Yep. He takes a right hand, he goes down. Uh, Snoop Dogg does like the world's worst people's elbow, but no one cared. He pins Miz in 211. Dude, Snoop Dogg and Miz, like Miz doesn't get any credit for this. These two saved what could have just been a, a total it was a disaster let's not yeah. get things out of it but yeah. these two really thought on their feet quickly and especially for yeah. snoop dogg who is just like he's just the celebrity who's here for like a promo segment i think this is the best freestyle of snoop dogg's life <laughs> the ability to come out here on a stage like this and to be as comfortable i would love to know the behind the scenes of what 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 exactly happened what the intended finish of this segment was supposed to be i mean if it was just simply like oh what? dude it was probably shane doing something nuts yeah um I, like I ha- like part of me just thinks like was there some physicality that snoop dogg was supposed to be involved with anyway and they just fast forwarded to it or did he possibly or whoever might have you know covertly told him to to proceed with this Uh, if it was him coming up with even like a fraction of what we ended up seeing the man is incredible okay like give him his hall of fame induction right away you know like this was in the hall of fame i think oh he's already in oh of course well who isn't i'm not up on my celebrity wing (laughs) 
yeah this was like i mean i don't know like when we talk about wrestlemania moments like sometimes it's about like what you can um execute that that was scripted but i think a part of the magic of, of professional wrestling is to see what somebody can create when you have unpredictable moments like this what can you improvise what can you create on the fly and the dude ended up creating i would say quite the moment um so yeah it sucks sucks to see that for shane you know like uh, just one spot like awful. one leapfrog freak thing and uh, yeah mm-hmm. that's unfortunate because dude he's 51 and tearing a quad like that's that sucks so anyway uh hopeful uh recovery for shane mcmahon Finn Balor and Edge had to follow this with the Hell in a Cell match presented by The Pope's Exorcist, which we got a trailer and a voiceover from Russell Crowe uh, warning us to go watch this movie. And then I, thought, this- I thought having Russell Crowe do like the intro to uh, Hell, in, uh, Hell in a Russell was oh, great. <laughs> Hell in a Russell. Oh, my God. You're turning into me. Then we hear the sounds of Slayer and Edge comes up. And dude, I thought Paul Levesque was making his comeback here. He has like the giant, the the mask on, and Slayer's playing. It was, like a, it was like a disco ball skull. It was, yeah. It would be. It was like a combination of like Hunter's attire for the Sting match with like uh, Scott Steiner's uh, stylist. I, I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, it looked it looked cool. I'm not. I don't know if it was exactly of- devil like. Um, but I don't know. I've never, I've never been to hell. So I, I can't really tell you what, what's cool down there right now. We've, we've lived through WCW 2000. <laughs> so, yes. uh, it then turns into his regular theme and then we get the demon valor entrance. And I was really worried about this match because there's a lot of weapons underneath. And what if these two guys don't know which weapons are whose? because they're (laughs) we had red and purple chairs we had red and purple kendo sticks so that we had color coordinated weapons for these two i thought i was watching like the reward challenge on survivor (laughs) they might have gone a bit overboard with uh with some of the you know production elements here probably unnecessary i don't and i don't know if the demon should be carrying out like a a purple kind of a smoke is this the first time we have is this the first time we've gone back to the regular Hell in a Cell and not the red cell? Or had they already made that switch back? Remember they were using the red cell for a while? Um, you could be right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could also you, be very wrong. I have no idea. I think we had enough uh, color coding on this. Because how would you see the red chair if, uh, inside a red cell? I would have been lost. I would have been lost. So Edge, Edge traps Balor in the corner with the kendo sticks that he puts through the fence. And dude, this guy, it, it looked like the exorcist here with Balor with his paint on being locked and trying to get out. And then edge pulls out the table for the giant pop, the table, no matter where you go, it's the most over baby face, frees him from the kendo sticks and then hits him with an impaler DDT. And Corey Graves brings up gangrel, but there, there was no sign of a gangrel um, on this show. And they didn't even really do the brood, entrance like it said brood edge like the the text it said brood brood edge really it, it literally said that oh. for his entrance but it was not like he came I, out he uh, elevated yeah that was about it i guess Slayer and you got to see blood theme yeah you got to see some blood here real you blood. did i don't know if it was intentional but yes you got to see blood here because edge takes a ladder and whips it at balor and all of a sudden a faucet has been opened and you're just seeing the blood leaking and sean bennett is the unfortunate referee who has to get in. And how many times, Way, have we had this discussion that if there is a real problem and it's WrestleMania, are they actually going to do something? Now, mm-hmm. 
this was not the case of a guy that had a neck injury or even, I guess like there was a potential of a concussion, but there were no signs of it. I think it was just, he was, he was lacerated mm-hmm. and this referee commanded things and they got the medical staff in. They made sure he was okay. And yes, it, it brought a halt to the match, but listen, I am not going to sit here. And we always talk about when we have seen matches continue that should not like, I, I don't think, Finn Balor was in grave danger, but they checked on him, and I have no issue that they stopped this. So I'm not going to so even if it hurt the flow of the match. Mike Johnson at PW Insider reported that um, ringside they had actually gave him an injection and stapled him live. Oh, are you kidding like, me? They ringside. stapled him on the spot. Yeah, that's what Mike Johnson reported, and and if that's the case, that that is incredible. Um, wow, and and I think tells you how committed they are to this no blood policy. Yeah, certainly. Like they did stop the cut and there was a, you could see like when he was leaning over, the blood was forming on the, uh-huh. like it was a bad cut you oh, could yeah. see. And you know, if it's, if it's in a bad spot, like you, you need to tend to it. And yeah, I'm sure time stood still and edge probably felt like this was 10 minutes. Realistically, it was like two minutes and, and he, he had and, to. And thank, thankfully you have a veteran who like, you know, knows how to, like you could tell he was thinking, what do I do? What do I do? And just kind of <laughs> every ta- every weapon that he pulled out from underneath the ring was receiving a big reaction. So he just went down to the apron and just pulled out a bunch, bunch of kendo sticks. And thankfully that was enough time to put these I'll, staples in. Jesus. I'll tell you, I don't care how much trust I would have in a medical staff. These people are scrambling as WrestleMania is on pause until yeah. you put staples in my head. No, it's thank crazy. you. I'm done. I'm going to the back. <laughs> I'm going to I'm I'm going to hang out with Shane in the back edge. You can you can just uh, finish this match with uh with Damian Priest. So anyway, the match continues. Uh, a coup de grace misses and then Edge misses a spear running into the ladder and then Balor lands a coup de grace and Edge kicks out. So Balor climbs a ladder but he's hit by the kendo stick and an impaler DDT is executed by Edge off the DDT and we get the red and purple chairs and Balor gets the chair. He gets a uh, the kendo stick and starts attacking edge places him onto the table and he climbs the ladder, but then sees a very conveniently placed ledge on the side of the cell. This is the add on for the Mattel hell in a cell that you can get a ledge, which uh, he wow. just hops onto and he leaps off this ledge. Okay. This- but, 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 but the hard camera, the robotic hard camera that they have to shoot the match is also on that ledge. So, so that, that could have been there anyway. Okay, but where did the camera go then? Did they move it? The camera's still there. It's just, it's robotic. And Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there we, there we have it. And Balor comes off this ladder, or off this ledge, and he misses Edge, and he does the coup de grace through the table. Mm-hmm. Which just shatters in half. And then he, Edge spears Balor. Balor kicks out, and Edge goes nuts here with kendo stick shots, chair shots, and a final concerto to Finn Balor in 18 minutes and nine seconds. And of the all-time legendary WrestleMania calls, nothing on this show is going to beat the Pope's exorcist. Get your tickets now. (laughs) And Edge exorcising his demons on the grandest stage of them all. (laughs) Michael Cole, ladies and gentlemen, the pro of all pros. Get your tickets now. Uh, Oh, boy. This was not my match of the show. I, I saw I saw a divided uh, set of opinions on this match. I 
I thought that they they had the the unfortunate pause in the middle, but that did not detract from this for me. For me, it was like it didn't overstay its welcome. It did go 18 minutes. This I was watching this and feeling this could end up going 30, and I don't think they needed to go 30. I thought it, I thought it was a a good match. It was not um, there were better matches on the show, but there were definitely worse matches on the show, and I I was pretty satisfied with this. I was satisfied with it, and I thought it was a like I would I would say it was a good match. Maybe um, circumstantially, just in terms of atmosphere, they completely got this crowd by the end, and I think I have more respect for it knowing that a man got stapled. Um, yeah, I did not. I did not see that. So mid match. Yeah, I, there was a lot of unpredictability in this match. I'm sure it did not go as planned. Uh, but again, you know, a part of professional wrestling is improvising and seeing what you could do and how you can recover. And I thought they absolutely recovered really well. You know, I thought they delivered like a pretty good amount of brutality that is, you know, worthy of like the Hell in a Cell billet, billing. I thought the entrances were good. Um, and I thought the final concerto like felt delivered like a pretty good level of catharsis, you know, after uh, the best uh, concerto, of course. And um it was so I, it was so similar just to what we had seen with Jungle Boy and Christian though just a few weeks ago. Like, it was <laughs> just right. like the same ending yeah. minus a uh, burial. Yeah. Um I d- how did you feel about the the demon um here cuz I I love it as an as an attraction and and to me it's still a draw but I don't know if they like it's it it kind of felt a little corny to me at times if I have to be honest. You know like the the tongue sticking out and just Obviously, there is some unfortunate, you know, um, like if hard to sell a a demon when you have to like he needs worry medical about, attention. Yeah, a demon that needs medical attention, and, and that's not fault of of theirs, of course. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I was I was surprised by this outcome. I thought Finn Balor was was going to win this because I, but it, it did seem like on both nights they really loaded up on feel good outcomes um from from ray edge bianca um you know outside like what were your major heel wins like it was gunther and it's the match we're going to get into next like it seemed Mm -hmm. like they unless there was like a solid reason for that heel to win um it was like a heavy baby face (laughs) main event made up for for it well maybe some of that was the thinking was that you're gonna get the rug pulled out from you in the main event that we're going to give you a lot of happy moments before we we get to the end i i also don't know how much attention they're paying to you know people who are keeping track of like how many good guys versus bad guys have won Um, no but it's i i do think it somewhat impacts the audience in terms of like the Ray ending. Like, I think that like, that Mm -hmm. was just, it was a feel good moment for the crowd that Ray prevails, even though most assume that feud is continuing. And should a WrestleMania not provide that? I mean, it's, it's really your season finale. And I think you want to end things on a, on a happy ending for at least most of their storylines with Um, the the exception. You're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Kayla Braxton welcomed uh, Bianca Belair, who um, just said that Oscar took her to her limit. She's a great fighter. And then we got a return of the divas of Compton who just, surrounded her and chanted est and i would just hire these these girls to just go with bianca from city to city just just make them the divas of um bianca belair i I guess the divas of belair and just have them travel with with them and just do this entrance i'd be for that um hey john before we get to our main event we have one we have a hundred thousand people uh announced attendance you know a hundred thousand heartbeats listening to us right now and if all of you guys can do us a favor and just hit subscribe to the channel we would really appreciate it and 
Also, if you really like us, maybe consider subscribing to the Post Wrestling Cafe. That is right. We have had some tremendous WrestleMania coverage all week long at the Post Wrestling Cafe. Interviews with Brandon Thurston, Dave Meltzer, Speedball Mike Bailey, uh, Mania previews. We had uh, lots of uh, Mania discussion all week long, and it will continue post-Mania. We will be back later this week with a special edition of Rewind Away covering CM Punk's interview on the art of wrestling from November of 2014. We're going to look back almost uh, nine years removed from a very pivotal interview that was the focus of a lawsuit years later. So we are going to go through that entire interview this Thursday. It's a special Thursday edition of the rewind away series and if you sign up it's six dollars to get you in the door access to all of our bonus shows and a month's worth of content and access to 127 editions of rewind away and all of our archives from drive to survive to interviews with oscar nominated uh documentarians uh we have it all on the post and see you later and if you're if you have to catch up on a lot of the wrestlemania week coverage we did reviews of gcw's blood sport the mark hitchcock memorial uh, super card of honor from ring of honor of course so postwrestlingcafe.com video.postwrestling.com we appreciate your support take and that the, michael cole that's it Come um the, get your tickets now to the post wrestling cafe and for the others there's like six bucks these guys aren't worth that you can just subscribe to the youtube channel free of charge and uh do do your do the bare minimum so then uh we had the hall of fame class come out on stage uh with stacy keebler the great Muda, the uh, Tim White's family, Andy Kaufman's family, and then our main eventer in his Gucci Adidas ensemble, the best dressed man at WrestleMania, Ray Mysterio. The man just dripping coming out here with all due respect to Seth Rollins. And then they go person by person and Muda like missed his cue. So he did the, the mist and the camera missed the mist. And it was too early. So Muda blew his big spot. Um, two anyway. missed miss, miss on the show. That is true. So there you go. Your, your Hall of Fame class. And then we went to a, a shot of uh, fans in Philadelphia, the site of next year's show. Apparently, though, there were people in the uh, in, at SoFi that, that booed the announcement of uh, WrestleMania in Philadelphia next year. Oh, come on. You you had one of the best, two of the best WrestleManias of all time. Get over yourself. How buddy. many of these come people on. booing are going to be at that show next year? Probably, Probably a, a fair amount. So yeah. let's let's be real here. So the main event, it it was fairly early way. Even knowing we were going to get a long main event, I was like, we are not going to be going live at midnight. That would be my assumption. So Roman Reigns and Cody. Oh, we Rhodes. have to make time for these entrances. Well, yeah. Once the entrances went Please. through, I was like, you know what? Maybe not. So, dude, the lights go down for Cody's theme, and there is a audible roar of this crowd. I can say this: seeing a full year of this undisputed championship, a hot baby face, a hot heel, the one big match. This felt like we are not debating what was the main event of WrestleMania this year. It was, with all due respect to the tag match last night, this was the main event of WrestleMania. It felt like the main event of WrestleMania, and it felt like a big main event of WrestleMania. And this crowd, they were here for this match, and they exploded when they realized Cody's coming out. Completely agreed. Yeah, um... I mean, we we can always think back, you know, to a month ago or six weeks ago, and, and the debate about whether or not it should be Sami Zayn. If, it, if Sami Zayn had the spot, I think the reaction would have been just as big. But um, 
I think this allowed you to parlay the Sami Zayn momentum into the first night where you got an equally, you know, similarly big reaction. And Cody has done such a tremendous job building the story from last year to this year. And he just has that presence about him that feels like such a WrestleMania main event level presence. It it completely felt like a big, big, big WrestleMania main event. Yeah. This guy looked like a million bucks walking out. And coincidentally, um, that was... Uh... At minimum, the cost of this pyro, pyro display for Cody <laughs> as it went off and he he goes ringside and there is Brandy, his daughter, Liberty, his mother, his sister, Teal, and then Brody Jr. Negative one unmasked on WWE television and he gets Cody's weightlifting belt. This was uh, to me one of the, the coolest moments of any of these nights. It was so awesome. So awesome. Of course, this is the uh, weightlifting belt with all the names of the promotions that he's worked in um, through, through his excursion, including Smash AEW. Wrestling, Toronto's own Smash Wrestling, making it to mm-hmm. the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, we, we had said whatever lucky kid is going to get that, I mean, you know, is, is a very lucky kid. And, and he chose the great, the best choice. Obviously. And Michael Cole explaining as well who he is and mm-hmm. Bro- Brody, Brody Lee's son as well yeah. so that that was nice for for people that might not have, have so realized awesome. it yeah so we we have gotten both negative one and preston vance on masking within months oh uh, well you know if ray can you know have a career with the mask on afterwards and so can negative one then we go to roman's entrance and there are six pianists at the entrance and they they were terrific. Like this was, uh, I mean, this was my parents' dream of what I would have become in uh, when I was eight years old. Going to one of the lesson. six pianists for the Roman Reigns WrestleMania entrance. Those yeah. were their hopes for me. I, I let them down. And then we shift to Roman's regular theme, and he comes out with Paul Heyman and oh, what a beautiful Sokoa. I mean, yeah. like the, the Roman Reigns entrance is is really like pretty great anyway. But to see it on a big stage, I know I've seen it before, but tonight it just felt almost like the greatest it's ever been, especially maybe because I had the knowledge that this might've been the last time I was seeing it, seeing him with the championship. Um, so <laughs> there is so much heat. They're in the ring. Samantha Irvin did a fantastic job of introducing them. And, you know, it, Cole loves the, uh, it's a big fight feel like that was the appropriate description for when this bell rang and this crowd went nuts as the bell rang and they just go face to face and we start off the match. And early on, Cody is caught after a disaster kick with a power bomb and Reigns is just playing with him. He's waving at the Rhodes family and then Sokoa gets involved nailing Cody in the ribs with a chair shot behind the ref's back that sets up a drive-by and Cody would be clutching at his ribs and always like checking in with the ribs and this would become uh, a handicap that he would have to deal with. Then Rhodes uh, gets tripped by Sokoa and finally Sokoa steals the weightlifting belt and I wish they had got a shot of him like ripping it away from from, uh, Brody Jr. Uh, Me too. He gets the weightlifting belt and he just starts whipping Cody and Dan Engler, the referee does not see it, but he hears it and he turns around. And when he ejects solo Sokoa, you had 67,000 people lose their minds. It sounded like 80. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, we, we can all assume that he took it from Brody Lee, uh, Brody Jr. Uh, But if if we had seen that, if everybody in attendance had seen that, the heat would have been that much crazier. Absolutely. 
So Sokoa is leaving. And listen, there's so much praise that you can throw around here. Paul Heyman's facial reaction when Sokoa was leaving, he's got this look like he is frightened, like this was not supposed to happen. Oh, God. And Reigns gets the weightlifting belt and Engler tries to stop him from using it. So Cody nails him with a kick and hits the crossroads and we get our first major near fall. And this audience was ready like 15 minutes in. Yeah, we can wrap this up. Cody wins. No Reigns kicks out and he comes back. There's a urinagi by Reigns called the rock bottom, but then the Superman punch is avoided and Cody by avoiding the Superman punch. Roman is leaned over and Cody hits the pedigree. Mm-hmm. the heel turn the heel turn remember he said that if he ever hits that move that would be the signal <laughs> don't you remember oh, this is one of cody's crazy <laughs> i feel like that's a completely different guy like i i, I that, that that was Devonte. I, I don't really cody cody broke down how he had actually <laughs> turned back in AEW. okay he explained <sighs> this to uh, ariel hawani and then said like what does a heel do a heel take something that the audience wants away from them. And they all wanted me to turn heel. So I told them I would never turn heel. I was taking that away from them. And then he follows that explanation (laughs) as he's hearing it himself, explaining it to Ariel. He's like, maybe that was too nuanced. Yeah, Cody, maybe it was, maybe it was. If you have to explain to people what the purpose of this is. Yes. Um, Anyway, it's a, it's a much better fit that he is in now several years removed. So, Reigns then hits a Superman punch after Cody goes for the disaster kick and the disaster kick is met with a Superman punch in midair. And the replay of this was amazing. And then the replay shows Heyman and he's not looking at the two. He just assumes it's over and he's counting one, two, and then three. And when he doesn't hear the bell, his look of just shock was amazing. Mm, his facial I'm so reaction. glad this replay yeah. showed this. It was great. Yeah, they got to put a camera on him just in the corner, like the whole time. His facial expressions in every Roman Reigns match, especially the big ones like this, are always fantastic just to watch. Cody applies a figure four, and Michael Cole is screaming at the top of his lungs. Dusty Rhodes is looking down at his baby boy. It was amazing, dude. For Michael Cole, remember like two years ago, he like blew the finish of the call at WrestleMania. And it was like, man, this poor guy, like it's like the biggest call of the year. And you messed it up thinking it was in your fall. And then he just he had a great weekend. Honestly, like he had a bunch of like great calls. And I feel Mm -hmm. this is like the culmination of. Michael Cole at ease over this last uh, nine months. And for his sake, I hope it stays that way. But I, I really feel like a shift. I mean, there, I think it's been happening for a long, long time now. But I mean, for years, for really the better part of his entire career, Michael Cole was seen as like the the corporate choice, the one that the company wanted to replace Jim Ross and the guy who missed calls moves and, you know, um, but I think over like especially recent years and especially since Hunter took over and he and Michael Cole found out about um you know Wikipedia, um people I think are starting to really give the man the respect he deserves. He and, he and really I think enough stories that have come out that like, dude, this guy's job sucks for for mm-hmm. for a lot of these 25 years he's been in this company it's a brutal job to have and this guy in your ear for all this long and this guy's lasted he outlasted the guy in his ear at least temporarily yeah, yeah. so 
Reigns then applies the guillotine and he puts him in his closed guard and Cody pops his head out, drops his ground and pound. And then Cody misses Reigns and nails the referee. Both are down from a double clothesline spot. And he goes for the crossroads to Roman when the Usos appear and they shot this really well. So it's like, you didn't see the the Usos coming and they break it up with super kicks and they hit a one D when Owens and Zane storm the ring place goes nuts. Owens gets in a stunner on reigns. Zane hits the Haluva kick to reigns and they brawl with the Usos into the crowd and take them out of the mix. Cody with his remaining life, crawls on top of Roman and Roman gets his shoulder up at the last second. They get to their feet and they're just trading big blows. This is like the end of a, of a Rocky fight where they're just throwing these exaggerated it, overhands at one another and the crowd's just living with and dying with each one. It was one of the most intense yay boos I've, I've ever seen in professional wrestling. It's like the audience felt it was almost like they were hot this whole match, but I think in the back of their head, it was like, we know we're going to see the Usos. We're no, we know we're going to get Owens and Zane. So once they had done their portion of the match, yep. now we are on the precipice of the end. Mm-hmm. And that's where they are ready to explode. <laughs> so he avoids the Superman punch and he nails Roman with the jabs and hits the bionic elbow, hits the crossroads, holds on. Hits a second crossroads, rolls, and he's going to hit the third when Heyman gets on the apron. And there in the corner is the returning Solo Sokoa, who stops Cody in his tracks with the Samoan spike. And from there, Roman Reigns spears Cody and Reigns pins Cody in 34 minutes and 29 seconds. One of the longest matches in WrestleMania history. And Roman prevails. Cody is dejected and Heyman yells to Reigns, you are WrestleMania. And this crowd is aghast. I could not believe it. <laughs> we've been feel, you know, in our previews, we've been talking about this match for weeks. We had a call yesterday from somebody saying, Hey, like are the chances of Cody winning lessened because of a babyface win in the first night? I laughed. Okay. I laughed. I didn't laugh out loud. I laughed in my head impossible this is about as much of a slam dunk of a build as i think you could have called um ever you know more so than mark briscoe in sabojo more so than eddie kingston claudio castagnoli more so than really anything um who who had they have never ever ever been able to find somebody like a roman reigns be this dominant of a champion and they've certainly not been able to find somebody to be able to match that level of intensity at all until they found cody rhodes and the timing happened to work out that they managed to build this to the main event of wrestlemania on the second night they gave up on a on a baby face like a Sami Zayn in order to get to cody and they did not execute i was stunned i could not believe it i was holding up for a dusty finish and of course if there is a you know an appropriate night for one of those um if there was an appropriate night for the triple h signature and then some sort of swerve afterwards it would have been tonight it did not happen i'm stunned i i still am completely stunned and it was um incredibly i would say deflating but i also can't get mad at the experience i had I thought this was one of the great WrestleMania main events of all time. It was phenomenal. The ride that they took us on. Um, And I think so much of it is because I knew that finish was coming. But even like I was so sure of this finish 
that it was almost like a, a an Undertaker like um streak, you know, back when the streak was alive. I mean, we know Taker's winning, but if they can suspend our disbelief long enough to think that somebody else could win, then okay, then I'll, I'll really get into it. And my shock when Cody lost was as big as maybe the Undertaker losing his streak. Um, but it was an incredible professional wrestling viewing experience for me. What about you? I, I thought it was an outstanding match among the like really among the most heated matches you would think of in, in WrestleMania history, I, I would say like it was that incredible, this crowd. Um, I think that, I think they missed the timing on it. I think that this was like the idea that you, it. you build it for a, a bigger day. Oh. Maybe, maybe you'll come close to this. I don't know if you will hit such a peak as this, where the family is there. Like we watched two families, leave these WrestleMania weekend shows disappointed that the person did not win the title. I cannot fathom the super card of honor finish with Mark Briscoe. So this one, I mean, I just, I don't know what you could do that makes the next one bigger. And yes, if they do it at SummerSlam, if they do it at WrestleMania next year, I'm sure it'll be a big moment and you will get people stating, oh, everyone doubted it. Everyone doubted it. This was what they did like this was Gato's booking for, for a long time as well. And building to that eventual Naito uh, victory as well. So listen, they're, they're in a position. They are, there, there's no financial penalty for delaying this. They are, it's just making uh, creative calls. Uh, but when Amanda Huber is tweeting out, that was the wrong call. I'm going to agree with Amanda Huber on, on this particular night, you had everything in a row. Uh, it was just perfectly made, and oh, the number man. one thousand is obviously just a intoxicating number. Those zeros, they just were so close. We're so close to a thousand. I just, I've said for months, I just don't think you can get any more. This title reign, it has been great. They've got a phenomenal story attached to it. I'm sure they have a story coming out of this. I just think, like ultimately, this title, this title reign, is only as big as the person that unseats him. And tonight everything was perfect it was like we said that about drew and this was that times 50 yeah. everything was perfect the injury comeback the rumble win bypassing yeah. sammy this sold out so, two nights we said that about sammy now i i think we all agree that cody was probably the, the right choice because cody checked all those other boxes that you wanted out of a guy leading your company as the face of as the champion a guy who's great in mainstream press a guy who looks like a million bucks a guy who's good with media um a guy who's you know packing houses here you know and doing ratings and and everything what more possible could they be looking for in somebody to you know take to the next level of a roman reigns i i think they're going to continue with it i think it like cody's story has to end with this title win but are you going to have so many things in place that you recreate tonight maybe it's maybe. the risk they must be confident or john maybe they want to have reigns not just get to 1000 maybe they want to have him chase bruno okay He's so i think bruno 2800 uh days we're we're headed towards so but, but this reign's gonna be a whole lot longer perhaps yeah, I am sure there is a, a lot behind this this booking decision and and going with it. Oh, because... I just I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I still am. I really like they must be pretty damn confident in their ability to book. They must you know see. I, I mean, the word is they have a lot planned uh, ahead, and maybe this is something we'll look back a year from now and say that was the right call. They made that pop that much bigger tonight. Um, but 
it's a risk. You're always taking a risk. Injuries happen. You know, people just like, hey, man, like leave this industry for whatever reason. And you can't finish these stories. It's and, you know, Cody is, you know, fresh back on WWE television. So he has this freshness to him. But like this guy's turning like not to say he's like, you know, near the end of his career or anything, but like he's turning 38, which is like I feel people don't realize he's like he feels younger on television like th- these are prime years that like if you're going to get that run in um I, I i just don't know how much more you do with roman at this point beyond you're a bulletproof company that you could put the title on just about anybody and you are it's just a degree of how profitable you are going to be and the guy who has the title is not dictating your finances so it's ultimately a creative choice more importantly i'm very curious to know what this means for the entire roster as a whole in our preview we t- we were we were so sure that they were going to go with the new champion that we were talking about all the possibilities for what they could go to afterwards because it completely refreshes the entire division the entire roster you can do cody versus such and such cody versus you know gunther cody versus logan paul well what are those matches now for roman reigns he's gone through pretty much everybody and the so, elephant in the room in all of this is who is going to be leading this this creative like yeah, hmm. if you're going of the assumption that Paul Levesque is the person that is continuing to spearhead creative, I think you are left with like optimism that th- the story is going to go. But you do not know that and where this company is going to fit and what is Vince McMahon's role going to be. And I just think that you have to go with that impression as well, that that is a possibility of all of this. Um, it, it, this entire company could look very different in 24 to 48 hours. I suppose so, but even going by like the Vince McMahon metric, like what what would he not want about about a Cody Rhodes victory tonight? You know, you you don't know. I mean, the the argument certainly would be, you know, with Cody, it's like he was brought in as a star last year and treated like it, and that was months Mm -hmm. before the the changeover as well. And I don't know what what the thinking was tonight beyond hey, it's. We, can, is, we this, also can't blame every bad booking decision just on Vince, you know, like, it, no, it's like, listen, if, if this and, you know, for the, the public stance is that Paul Levesque is leading all of this. And I'd question yeah. his booking on this one for sure. Like you, oh, the, the work is to get to a moment like this and then you pull the trigger and yeah. they, they were not trigger happy on this night. They just want to, you know, they are, they are up huge at the table and they just want to go double or nothing, pardon the pun, but yeah. uh, continue to grow it. Yeah. I mean, I, I really hate to like speak negatively at all about like that match. It really, to me, was one of the great WrestleMania main events of all time. I'm only disappointed because I wonder if we'll continue to think that way in the future because we tend to just remember title changes significant title changes when we think about you know legendary wrestlemania it was going to be a changing of the guard kind of match like here's a guy winning his first title he is someone that you look at not just as a guy we're putting on the belt for three months but a guy Mm -hmm. that you could see being their successor like that and rather than this being the end of a story does it just become another chapter in the middle of a you know bigger book yeah and and is there any sort of loss of faith in Cody. And we're going to see, because this is the guy that is out there doing the house shows. And we have seen what impact Cody has had on live events. And you're not going to have Roman at all of these house shows. And does he, not to say Cody, it becomes nothing, but even if he loses a bit of the edge, like he came into this red hot 
And if he's just like a hot baby face, it's like, that. that's great. But have you, did you take some of the steam off of Cody when he failed in such a major match? And maybe not, maybe he, maybe he is fine from this. He's I'm a great, up. great talker. He'll be positioned highly. I would say coming out of this, I'm more leaning towards like backlash being maybe like Cody Owen Zane against the Usos and Roman or Sokoa in there as well, rather than a title defense at backlash. So what a six man, six man. Yeah. But what's at stake, you know, like, how do you, how do you bet best this? Like this was the ultimate, you know, this was the, 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 the final stage. This was end game and the Avengers failed. I'm not um, arguing this one. I'm not, I don't have a defense for you. It's the, like, oh, they man. have their reasoning for it. And yeah, the, the let it play it. out crowd will uh, have that reason as as the the one. But to me, it was like, man, you you had the layup of all layups here. Like you did you did the work and didn't bask in the, in the in the glory at the end of it all because this would have been. I think this is ultimately going to be a really well remembered main event and a well remembered WrestleMania these two nights. But to me, it would have been an all-time classic if this was Cody's big win in such a um, significant moment. And the significance of this guy winning and the next day, it's a new era for the company potentially as well. I just think the whole history uh, will be tied to this weekend of the company going from one phase to the next. And this is the guy leading them into that next era. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't. Um, No, they did not. Are there some of you out there that disagree with us and think that tonight was the right call? Let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts right now. We're going to go to some of your feedback. If you have a question or comment, if you're watching us live, you can leave a super chat. And a lot of you guys already have. So thank you guys for that. Uh, so you guys will be jumping the line tonight. But also, if you're a patron at postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com, you will find the call in link to call in live with some of your thoughts to talk about WrestleMania night two, night one, anything that took place this past week. If you want to talk about WWE and what's going on with Endeavor, uh, you can also talk about that too. But uh, before we get to some of the calls, uh, but John, your overall thoughts on tonight's show. Tonight's show, I thought that it was, I, I would put night one ahead of night two, but I thought that the main event was excellent. And I thought the IC title match was excellent. Those two matches were terrific. And I would say overall, if you are collectively grading WrestleMania on the two nights, I would say this was among the best WrestleManias ever. When you talk about those two matches tonight, coupled with um, last night's show of the tag title match, Rhea Ripley and and Charlotte, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul and Ray and Dominic, like that's that's an incredible WrestleMania um, level of matches that we often don't get out of a WrestleMania. But I, I would I would seriously look at this as among the best WrestleManias of all time. I think we've seen enough like WWE PLEs at this point to know that in-ring quality is never a question. Like this roster is really tremendous. Now, when you're talking about even like celebrities being able to deliver, like professional wrestling is just really good right now. So um, that was great. Um, It's just unfortunate that maybe we come out of this questioning a booking decision and whether or not that might have robbed this show of a legendary status. Will this be remembered? I hope so, because I think it deserves to be. The build to this was, I think, among the best of the WrestleManias that we've ever had. Um, the in-ring quality is at a different level now. Um, it's funny. That- like, a lot of people defer to 17 as their favorite WrestleMania. And that was certainly a WrestleMania that ended with a horrendous booking decision. 
Like True. one that we we have concrete proof. It did terrible for WWF's business. It was a horrible booking decision they made that night. But that did not uh, lessen the quality of that show in people's memories. So um, mm. if people just, you know, remember the match, like it was an outstanding match and the heat was through the roof. Um, it, it was uh, unbelievable. Like one of the best main events you, w- you would look at in WrestleMania history. Okay, let's go to some of your feedback now. And of course, we want to give some priority to our super chatters. Thank you guys for joining us live, first of all. And thank you for sending in your super chats. Let's go, first of all, to, if I can load this up, Hernice de la Cruz sends $10. Thank you so much, Hernice, again, for all your support uh, the past two nights. He says, not a question, just a thank you for the great week-long coverage with interviews and event reviews. I'll miss the post-news intro theme, though. Uh Thank you for that, Hernice. And that's certainly not the last time you'll be seeing post-daily news updates. I mean, John and I were both incredibly happy with just getting back into the pace of it. It's not sustainable. And there's not always news, I would say, you know, or interest to sustain, like, you know, that type of, like, pace. But for certain occasions, absolutely, we want to continue this. Yeah, I mean, certainly this is, like, the the high point of the year. But just seeing the... um... Uh, the, the the people that uh, engaged on the cafe this week and such like like we we did very well this week and we we certainly uh, will have a lot to take away from uh, the performance uh, of the site and I as I've mentioned throughout the week I really want to um, single out all the the help that we had on the site this week uh, not just Braden and Davey who were doing uh, their thing at Gabby's both nights and up next uh, but Andrew Thompson Neil Flanagan John Kleinchester. John Pine, John Sino, Karen Peterson, like uh, it's it's a huge team effort and everyone um, busted their ass this whole week. And the, the coverage was insane this week on the site. Let's go up next to Paul Dominic DeMarco, who sent seven dollars. Thank you, Paul. He says, I'm done with WWE. I'll stick with AEW. Roman's awesome, but five clean wins in a three year reign is too much for me. Three to five cheat spots at a match ruins WrestleMania. All of it. Wow. Done with the company. It's it's been a while since we've gotten one of one of those. So it was uh it was that type of response. Like listen, for many people, like I mean, you, are you getting are you getting happy endings in AEW? Uh, or you know, or maybe that's just ROH, but if if the reason why you're gonna not listen, watch- I had the same complaint on ROH on, on Friday night, like between like to me, it was like it was some downer finishes when you have Mark Briscoe losing and then you have Eddie losing in the main event. Um, like, I, I don't I didn't mind uh, Eddie losing. I didn't feel that was the title switch to happen. But, yeah, it's it's sort of your risk that you're taking when you have this longer story in mind. But you've got to go through you've got to go through the the fall before you can have the rise for your protagonist. Mm. But thank you, Paul. Um, we hope you'll keep watching or at the very least uh, listening to our, our podcast. Martin Bushby, the man himself. Thank you for sending 10 pounds of support. Excellent coverage all week, lads. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. The great Martin Bushby. Who I believe has tickets to Star Wars um, of convention, Star Wars Con or something. Okay. Something that's going on in London. So um, I expect to see you dressed up as a C-3PO um, very shortly. Maybe right now. So thank you, Martin. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Sal from California. Sends five dollars. Says thanks for all the extra shows this week. Really enjoyed the daily news updates. Thank you, Sal. Well, thank uh, you to all of you for checking them out. It makes a big difference when, um, yeah, when we do this stuff and getting that response. So we appreciate it. Thank you, Sal. And and I, I would probably speak for John in thanking our wives for um, maybe uh, dealing with us during WrestleMania week, not being around as much because the MVPs. I, 
Yeah, really. Uh, Payne sends $2. Thank you so much, Payne, for the support. He says, reminder that Shane almost bought the UFC. Yeah, this was, um, you know, long ago when they were kind of uh, exploring this at one point. I mean, Shane has always wanted um, that MMA company. But I I, I would honestly, I would not assume that Shane is going to have any involvement in this. I mean, you can always, uh, like, you can never say never. But I don't, like, Shane as well, when he left the company in 2009, like, he not only left the company, but he, like, divested himself of his Class B shares, which are just for Vince, Linda, Stephanie, and Shane. So, yeah, he he tore his quad, which sucks. But like this sale that goes through, like he does not have like he would have made a killing, a killing. Like, could you have imagined in two thousand and nine that this company would be sold for this amount of money? Yeah, um, I'm sure he. I wonder what he would say if you brought that up to him. I'm sure it's something like he might think about. I wouldn't be bringing pretty, that up to him tonight. Yeah, no. Um, Again, I still have to watch Succession. Um, he's such just such an interesting analog, analogous, you know, comparison to some of the characters on that show. It's I, I hope for the best for him. Tonight was a really rough night to Are you ready and, for the all time week of mainstream news headlines, cliches, yeah. Succession comparisons? Because we're getting all of it this week. This is what all these these uh, like headlines. Endeavor is go. Endeavor is Gojo. Um, you know maybe maybe <laughs> no chance in hell vince mcmahon sells wwe yeah oh god it. it's gonna be terrible and, uh, and, I, and i'm sure a huge focus on um you know sexual misconduct scandal from from last year i'm sure hey, i will say all, of the coverage i've seen thus far from the few articles they made they did point. bring it up they did bring it up to people did mention where the status of vince mcmahon and, and how he's you know uh, several um you know uh sexual uh harassment allegations have been levied against him even some mentioning um dana white and everything that he's been involved with so this is going to bring all that stuff up again and so i'm really not also also we, we didn't touch on this with brandon or tonight but in all of the reporting it's that this this new company it will be a publicly traded company and therefore mm-hmm. like there will be that transparency and endeavor like they are going to be you know they they will be subject to you know more transparency as well with with this company and so so does the ufc fudge their attendance numbers like do they do things like that so the ufc it, it's certainly like they have been doing this this sellout streak forever and there has definitely been um uh, people have, that that have disputed like when something is a sellout but typically like they work with the commission and and it's a legitimate gate figure that that they put out and like they have like regulatory commissions that they have to uh, go through uh, as well. So I just wonder if, you know, now that this is all potentially under the same company, does, would it change? Would it put pressure on WWE to do that? I mean, so many questions that we have to ask. Uh, let's go to JJ who sends a $20 super sticker. Thank you so much for the support last night and tonight, JJ. Um, Thank you, that's JJ. incredibly awesome. I, I, unfortunately, I can't see the sticker through StreamYard, but I imagine it was, I, I'm imagining it's like a Roman's they, fist. A, a fist sure beautiful fist derek sent seven dollars thank you for the support derek he says just wanted to send a quick super chat just to thank you folks for the great content this week try to get some rest until tomorrow night yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a calm day probably yeah. we'll see uh eric chung sends sends twenty dollars to say wow. thank you thank you so much eric very much appreciate it and uh thanks for listening and thanks for the support let's go to matt who sends five dollars he says, when every champion is having some sort of record, then I feel like it loses its significance. 
I don't know about that. I don't think they're they're not pushing Bianca or Gunther to to the same level. But I like the fact that they bring up how long they've been champion. It makes it sound like a, a like a feat that they have accomplished. It makes it sound like a a statistic. It adds importance and it doesn't feel redundant to me. Like there is Roman Reigns, and then there's every other champion. And you know it. To, to me, it's like it, it's like bringing up someone's batting average, or if a, if a player is on a twenty game hit, hitting streak. Um, to me, it's it, it just adds more credibility to the title reign rather than not acknowledging something that is an impressive statistic. They are building up several streaks right now, though. You know, between Bianca, Gunther, obviously um, Roman, they did end one of them in the in the Usos. Um, but they're keeping some of these other ones growing. And Gunther, I completely understand. I think Bianca, I understand too. But man, Roman, man, oh, it's just, <laughs> when are they going to find a guy like this again? When are they going to find a moment like this again? Uh, anyway, let's go to D- DJ Depression who says, um, okay. Uh, he says, uh, thank you for the super chat, DJ Depression. He sends $5 to say anyone can be next level or in God mode if Gomez Adams books them to never lose ever. <laughs> What are you referring to the mustache, of course? What do you think is WWE's obsession with having only one, the guy? Well, business is up under Roman. Okay, so if you have to justify it, it, it would be especially that. Um, in terms of storytelling, maybe they have an even better idea on how to end this. Um, so do you know a, when day, day 1000 is? When? It's the same day as King and Queen of the Ring in Saudi Arabia. That will be his 1,000th yeah. day as champion. Yeah. I've, okay, whatever. Um, I, I do not I care about this 1,000 days at all. Like, it makes no difference to me at, at all, but it's, it's a number. And they will promote the hell out of that probably. Yeah, well, we might care about it by the, by that point. Um, but again, like, is that worth having? Is it worth having a great, you know, Roman Reigns Saudi Arabia moment versus not cashing in your chips tonight? You know, on the Cody Cody. Maybe Express. that's where Cody finishes the story in Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, Nick sends ten dollars to say Triple H said something about the story continuing on Raw in regards to the main event tonight. I understand what he's saying to a degree, but why not pay off the Bloodline story as a whole when you can? Well, of course, the story the story is going to continue on Raw. I mean, that's uh, of course it's <laughs> we're we're ending this whole story. It's it's done. Um, I mean, that, that, like that's that's their prerogative that they're making. Like they they have their foresight of like where they're going with this, and hopefully it pays off that when they eventually have this, this end date in mind for this title reign that it's a giant spectacular changing of the guard and whether it's Cody or it's a, if it's someone else might not be Cody. Can we maybe um, put some thought into the idea that, okay, now it's not just WrestleMania. It's not just the rumble that they want to be their big shows. They want every show to feel like it's a big show. They want elimination chamber to almost f- feel like a WrestleMania. C- could they be, waiting for a Cody change to take place on one of these other shows. They've already drew the house for tonight. Everybody was already in here. If we prolong the story, prolong the chase a little bit more, can we pack a few more houses for this story? I wouldn't be too worried about like they're, they are super hot right now. And why are they hot? I'm not saying it's only because of Cody, but Cody is definitely a major component of why they are hot at the moment. And to me, it, that would be like chase. Our, it's the chase though so well why not it's continue the chase but you also want to eventually see like reap the rewards of what you have built like to make that argument like say say Shawn michaels had not had the debilitating back injury and you've built up austin and it's the tyson wrestlemania and it's like man 
we're really turning things around. Well, let's have Austin chase for another six months and mm-hmm. keep the title on Sean instead of it's Austin's crowning moment. And business went from here in 97 to here in the first three months of 98. And then we put the belt on Austin and business is here. And by the next year, we don't have to, to rely on a Mike Tyson business went. it was like, it was a whole fresh coat of paint led by Austin. Sean's out of the way. You have all these stars that are rising up and business explodes yeah. and, and it's even bigger. Like that Ultimately, would be hope. I completely agree with you. I mean, I'm in, I'm in favor. Of, I was in favor of Cody changing tonight, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. And Sean was leaving and Austin was hotter than Sean. Roman is still incredibly hot and clearly Roman's not leaving. So is that enough justification to keep this? Not, not leaving in what, in what sense though? Like he is He's not, not- well, he's he's obviously wanting to keep up the schedule. Your TVs. He's booked on very few house shows. It, like, clearly, you on, don't need him to achieve he, the success that you've had. So, to me, it would be well. Let's let's see how we can go with putting the belt on somebody else that is going to be on the, these pay per views every month. Like Roman's not even doing all the pay per views every year, right? And they've achieved success without that. So, if he can continue working this pace and still, you know, do this sort of business for the company, then do they really have the incentive to end what they have with him? Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Um, well, again, as I said, they are not like, this is not uh Memphis in 1982 where you shoot the angle and we've got a draw at the mid South Coliseum every single Monday night. And a bad booking decision means we all make less because we made a bad booking decision. They are impervious to that. They can, they could have put the title on Otis tonight. And you know what? They're still going to have the most profitable year in their history this year uh, with Otis as champion. Mm-hmm. So this ultimately comes down to you as the viewer. What is the most appealing story that they are telling to you? Do you enjoy the story? Because what we can see, though, is that even with that, like bad booking is good business. But when you have hot characters and you have put emphasis on your title we have seen in these last couple of months what it means when you have really over characters and the television is connecting the stories are connecting and part of that you can certainly attribute to roman and maybe they want to just keep riding this wave and they feel that roman is our true north as our champion and we want to just keep going with this and there's more money in the chase than the the babyface champion which was very much a jim crockett type of booking of your world champion with flair than it was Vince McMahon, where it was built around the baby face that would go to all the cities and headline. Nick also sends $5 to say, and congratulations on crushing another mania week with your stellar coverage. Unlike main event finishes, the dynamic duo always delivers. Well, show isn't over yet. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm. Yes. Uh, what would that entail? Uh, probably, probably my microphone dying. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's Let's hope not. Akeem Hand sends $10 to say, great WrestleMania, great WrestleMania. Night one was the better night, but great weekend. Let's go, Romans. Five-year title reign is still in sight. Great coverage, John, John Awaith, and thank you. We could be looking back five years from now and saying, that was the right call. Remember when we thought it was all going to end, what, God. two years in? <laughs> Imagine this audience after Bruno won the title in 63 and thinking like, oh, when's he going to drop it? And doesn't drop it till 68. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, it's the closest in my lifetime they've ever come to that. So uh, Jonathan Meyer sends $5 to say, thanks for the coverage this week to all of the post-wrestling family. Thank you very much, Jonathan. For, thanks, Jonathan. For the support. And we go to Hernese de la Cruz to start and close things off. 
her niece saying with Endeavor buying, this will lead to them prioritizing money similar to after buying UFC. So ads on mats might be coming soon. Uh, we're already there. We're there yeah. without a sale. Like they have made a priority to, I mean, tonight it was the, the same as last night. Like not, not every show is going to command this level of sponsorship, but that, um, you know, that the, the toothpaste is, is out of the tube and they yeah. are, I, I would envision that happening very rapidly when it comes to more monetization of the mats and and finding other ways like they're, they're looking at legalized gambling like like they are looking for every revenue source possible and th- this was and quite frankly like there were jokes about it wasn't all that much resistance from fans either for what was a lot of more advertising on wwe broadcasts even by prior standards that we've seen over the last couple of years well i think in making shifting this like this is the nikon effect of maybe sh- Shifting this more towards the sports world. We're used to this in sports. You know, we're used to billboards on every shot in sports. We're used to, you know, this sort of integration and every everything on, on a sports broadcast. And in a way, it almost gives them legitimacy to see all these other brands involved with them in, in a way. And it, it's not just kind of this little thing in the corner anymore. Thank you all you guys for all your super chats. Thank you so much. Uh, a lot everyone. of support from everybody tonight and, and a lot of um, thanks for our coverage. So thank you for the appreciation. And if you're watching after the fact, do us a favor, leave a comment. And as always, you could like just subscribe to us. That's really all we ask, ask for. Uh, or leave a comment on, on Apple Podcasts if you're listening or Spotify if you're listening there. Right, let's go to some of our phone calls. Thank you to all of you guys who are patrons who've been waiting so patiently. I think we start off with the person who might have given us not a prediction but a spoiler last night andy b are you there hi guys uh haven't been this deflated after a wrestling show for as long as i can remember i mean uh, it's a thrilling ride and everything but at the end of the day for me anyway it's the moment that matters and um you know um i fully invested in the cody story and that's just very very unsatisfying ending were you the one so who, I, who 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 um asked about um whether or not cody would end up losing tonight or am yeah, I yeah, yeah that was me that was me I, i've been calling in for a couple of months and we've been laughing at the people who've been saying thousand they're saying oh it's just a round number they're not going to do it they're going to give us the happy ending and then here we are with egg on our face unfortunately <laughs> Um, but okay, I, so so one thousand days is one aspect of it, but I don't think that's the one thing that's dictating, you know, this this entire run. Like it's it's the business and the health of the business that's 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 likely among other metrics, I'm sure. Uh, fair enough, guys. But I think they acknowledge that this is probably the peak for Cody. I think for him, his high point next is going to be when they split off the championships. He'll probably win the WWE title, but I think ultimately it's going to be somebody else dethroning Reigns now if it all ends up happening. Who would you see that being? If you if you don't see Cody being the person who ultimately uh, beats Roman, who would you assign that to? For me, it's Cody because I, uh, because I think he's at the intersection of the Venn diagram in the sense that he appeals to the lapsed fan in me because he enjoys the retro aspect of it. He appeals to the independent fan because um, of the journey he's made through all of that. And he is like the guy you can put up on the poster. So for me, it's Cody because he's the intersection of the Venn diagram. But realistically, I think Seth Rollins is super over. They could give him that spot. And um, there's always that. The perfect symmetry of Jay Uso is the one to dethrone him as well. So I think those are the two options in my mind right now. Oh man, if they don't execute with Cody, I I just can't see them. I can't see them going back to Rollins as as you know as much as I think we like Rollins. I don't think they see Rollins on the same level as 
a Roman Reigns or maybe what a Cody would have been. Like Ro- 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 Rollins is almost like your your workhorse, you know, and the guy to like your savage, you know, for lack of a better like a savage to Roman Hogan for lack of a better comparison. Um, I and we've seen that feud before. Like, is is it going to be as hot as what we had tonight? Ah, oh, man, I don't know. The, the, he's gonna have to really like catch even more fire than usual. But hey, thank you, yes, Andy, for the call. Chris, yeah. one last question. So I, I just want to say, like, if you're going to look at Cody as a champion, right, isn't it far more intriguing for him to be this undefeated champion and then there is a legitimate drama to all of his matches as opposed to just doing everything you can to build to a moment where there's really, like, not as much intrigue in his defenses as there is in that particular moment, if that makes any sense. Like, I think an undefeated Cody is just so much stronger as a champion than what he would be now going forward. Yeah, it's like it's another aspect that they cashed in tonight was, uh, you know, Cody's first loss since uh, coming back as as well. So they must believe that it was uh, the lesser of uh, two evils was having Cody that they see as, you know, this chase has done very well for them and wanting to extend that that chase. But to me, like the chase is only as good as as the capture at the end. And I everything was in alignment. So now the challenge is to be able to not just replicate what you could do tonight, but make it bigger. And they're going to have quite the task because this is um, their most successful WrestleMania of all time. And that is what you need to replicate now for something bigger. Thank you so much for the call, Andy. Let's go up next to Muggin. Hey, Muggin, what's up? Death, turbo taxes, and Roman Reigns wins. L O L. My God. Okay, I'm just need to. I just need to get this. I need to get this frustration out of my system before I could talk about what I did love about night two. Anyway, like everything was there. It was right place, right time, right build, right person, right everything, but the wrong outcome. I mean, like I mean, I was just like I was buying on every. I was buying on every new fall, and as soon as the Usos came in, I figured you know Owens and Zay were going to come in to like you know even things up, and that was very thrilling. And but. Mm-hmm. I it was thrilling because Sammy got his moment too. Like, I mean, Sammy was, they, they severed him and, and made him detached from the storyline. But with that Haluva kick, he became a part of the takedown of Roman Reigns, which yeah. it makes this even kind of sadder. Yeah. Kind of the fact that they didn't win. Oh, man, like, I mean, if I have to sit through another year of Roman on top of me, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do because Ross tomorrow. So, like, I mean, I know, like, you know, the Raw after Mania has kind of lost his luster over the last couple of years. So, I mean, I wonder what Triple H is going to do to, like, you know, like, you know, force him to make it to make it even hotter again. Because, mm-hmm. man, like, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know where. I really don't know where. What's next for for for, for both men at, coming out of this? Because, you know. Jimmy and Jay need to get a Jimmy and Jay need to like you know get addressed over, over losing their tag titles on Monday because I mean if this is gonna if Monday's gonna end with Roman Zane I'll see you on SmackDown acknowledge me bye you know yeah I, I, man like they really they really like you know screwed the pooch on this one now now that I got that irritation on me now I can talk about what I did love the Intercontinental title match was phenomenal arguably mm-hmm. like arguably like Savage Steamboat level even more so I mean. Man, like like Drew, Sheamus, and Gunter, like they tore it, they tore it up. And um, I like that like neither men won because I feel like you know there's a there's a much stronger story for Sheamus chasing Gunter to get that to get the IC title again. And of course, you know Gunter continues Gunter's first WrestleMania. 
man, he made a hell of an impression. And uh, Bianca Miller and Oscar, they like they they proved that they can overcome a good a horrible build with a great match, and that's what they did. And I love that you know I love that you know Bianca went you know April April whole year as champion. And also mm-hmm. during the also her entrance was, was great. And I also heard during the press conference that uh, the girl that was dancing with Bianca, her mom passed away this passed away this weekend. And I'm sure like you know God, yeah, wow. it sucks to hear. But like I mean, it was very very nice of Bianca to like you know. It's like you know to invite the girl and share that share that WrestleMania interest with her. So that was that was very heartfelt. Were there any other highlights from the press conference? Uh, I know, I know, I know, well, I know. Heyman, like you know, called out and chewed out Nick Hausman over the. Yeah, uh, we mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, I've actually got some notes here from uh from Neil Flanagan. So he sure. was. Uh, thank you, Muggin, for the call. Thanks, Muggin. Let you go. Yeah, so uh, these are from Neil that uh, Nick Houseman had asked uh, Roman and Heyman about a potential big change with the sale. And Roman just answered, I was busy, so I don't really know much about it. Whatever happens, they're lucky to have me. Heyman dodged the question. And then when Paul Levesque was there, Nick Houseman again asked about the the report and Endeavor. And Levesque's answer was, um, if he had any comment, he said, nope, I am here to talk about WrestleMania. I don't think we need to talk about anything past today. Which I'm really glad Nick Houseman brought. Shout it up out Nick Houseman at House of Wrestling. Yes, always, yep. uh, always getting the microphone and asking the right questions. So it is 100 percent the biggest subject you could possibly uh, bring up. And again, it's it's not Paul Levesque's job to have to answer, but you do need to ask those uh, th- those questions 100. percent And I'm glad that it was it was brought up. It would have to be brought up. Let's go up next to Hansi. Hey Hansi, what's up? What's going on, man? How's it going? Uh, first of all, great week of content, man. I was like, you guys put up some good stuff. Um, I'll say uh, first about the stuff that I did like. I'll say that, um, like, I don't in, in the last ten years they have at least tried to put the intercontinental title on the like the main card. I think one of the last like real good matches that involved that title was a triple threat opener for WrestleMania 34, I think it was, in 2018, with Miz and uh, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor or whatever, right? So, but like, because there's been some years in, in the mid-2000s and like two, in the early 2000s where they were in the uh, 2010s where they weren't using the IC title. So I would say that even though like they, in, in the latter years they've at least incorporated the IC title in the last couple of years more, more so, I would still put that this title match that we saw tonight in the category of like Sean Razor, Piper, Brett, um, Savage, Steamboat. Like, that's how good it was. And I hope it's remembered for that because I think Gunther has made it uh, a lot more important. The only only problem I have with it is I wish sometimes, like, he didn't have so many repeat um, uh, competitors. I actually wish there'd be more actually X-Main inventors that would try to go at him for the title because at least then he keeps the title, but he also beat an X-Main inventor. So I, I actually wish he would have more variety of, of opponents, you know what I mean? So I, I thought that was the best match of like probably the entire weekend for WrestleMania. Um, but and as far as like the main event goes, um, yeah, I'm. I mean, same sentiments. What to call? Like you know, I just thought it was the right time, and I know there's like more to the story. I'm sure. Listen, they're, they're in a position where they can actually afford to do that, even though people are gonna be mad about it. But like, I thought it was a perfect night, and I. I, I thought the match itself it was going to be remembered. It was a very classic match, like old school match. You, it was like the match I was looking forward to. I wasn't really looking forward to much um, on the card, anyways. But I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Do you guys like if Roman Reigns doesn't want to give him a title shot again, like he plays hard to get? Do you guys see like the next part of the story for Cody to get it back 
maybe for SummerSlam if he wins Money in the Bank or something like that, because I can imagine he could do a lot with that. Because if he wins the Money in the Bank, he can cut promos about how he's going to do it in he's going to do it in advance because he wants another big time shot, whatever. So I don't know. Maybe that's where they can go with it. But again, I'm just kind of unmotivated by uh, some of the decisions because that was the one decision that I was looking forward to in the follow up. Like even if Oscar and Bianca had a good match. I am not motivated to uh, like know what's going to happen on Raw because like the creator for women has not been the greatest. It's, been, it's and I'm actually curious about what Rhea is going to do because she's not been involved with the women division that much. That's why I think she's been a bit more hard or whatever. But anyways, uh, the money in the bank question, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll leave you guys alone. Peace out. Thank yeah. you, Auntie. I mean, it's a viable way if that's what you want to get back to at SummerSlam. But to me, it's you're taking the secondary title opportunity pay-per-view like after you just did the rumble to go to wrestlemania and now we're going to do money in the bank into SummerSlam. like it just feels as though it's like it's like the lesser version of both and you're redoing the story and you know you're you're hoping that this is going to leave your audience just believing that the next time around like whether you do it something where you can ensure that like certainly cody should be having a transitional feud with solo sokoa in the in the meantime and again I would I would certainly argue that um you know he beating beats solo? solo beating you know I again you're watching like raw with the idea that okay Cody is if he if he were to lose here it's cuz he's winning on Sunday and sets up a title program I don't know if I would have been so quick as for Cody to get that win over Solo Sokoa last Monday when there should be the revenge program after tonight and yeah. then he gets the first win over Solo Sokoa like Honestly, I, d- I don't even know why you booked that match on Raw if this is the finish you're doing where Solo is so prominent. And Solo is going to be the one to get the credit for the win. I agree. And now, and now you've beaten him once. Yeah, I agree. They can explain anything. You know, like, of course Solo. they can. But what is, like, what, what is something that you don't have to explain that your audience just understands and wants yeah. naturally um, yeah. to come out of this? Again, these are re- relatively minor problems for WWE. But I just think from a... It's like, I I think we're giving too much in terms of just trying to justify what I think Mm -hmm. was just a bad call when you had so much riding towards tonight and everything was lined up perfectly. Like you did all the work that you're now stating we want to do again. We want to start from scratch and build this up again when you had done all the work to get to tonight. Do the work. Yes, so yeah. it did the work. Yeah. Continue the story. History will ultimately dictate whether or not t- tonight was a bad call. The way I think Austin's turn, um, you know, was ultimately later determined to be a bad call. Um, but we could definitely say that they'll have to do a whole lot to have all the pieces fall in place like they like it did tonight. Um, so let's see. Let's go up next to Alex. Thank you for waiting patiently, Alex. Hello, Alex. Alex, going once, going twice. Might have fallen asleep, folks. So sorry about that, Alex. Let's go up next to Wes. Hey, Wes, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, thanks. Uh, so I should preface this by just saying I kind of come in and out of WWE watching and then usually watch around Mania time. But I wasn't upset with the ending because um, I'm an AEW person and I didn't really ever feel Cody was right there at the end. So um, I just had a question because obviously you guys follow. I saw comments comparing um, Cody not going over to if Brian Danielson would have lost at 30. And from my reading of it, I never really felt 
this weekend that Cody was at that level of being over. Um, I guess I was wondering if you guys could say he was, because if he is, then of course he should it's have. A, but it it's never a different felt. type of over out west. Right. Like 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 Brian was very much like an like like an audience's choice. And right. I think Cody like got the audience, but he was always the company's choice too. Mm. Anything, anything, Sammy was, you know, the 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 uh the Brian of this particular year. But you know, unlike it, it, WWE was not doing the this house show business that like in 2014 in the lead up to, to WrestleMania, like when Cody, mm-hmm. when we consistently see these quarters that that move with him, like I think there's more of an argument towards Cody and this uh this year's WrestleMania buildup than there was in 2014 that generated a lot of great crowd reactions, but it mm-hmm. uh, like like Brian was not moving numbers that we are seeing in in these last couple of months and Zane gets, you know, I'm not solely putting this on Cody. Zane, Zane caught fire as as well, and you kind of had both of these um, incredible baby faces um, that that have helped spur up business and and a hot story too. Like Cody, I would say was more of the company choice that the fans yeah. actually wanted. You know, the the fans actually agreed with this one. Unlike John Cena during his rise, unlike Roman Reigns during his rise, the fans actually agreed with the company and wanted what the company also wanted, which makes this all the more surprising. Um, But yeah, any other? uh, Yeah. No, that makes sense. I just wanted to thank you guys for all the hard work this week. It's really added a lot to the week. And uh, I wanted to especially thank you all for bringing up the Giselle Shaw thing. Um, I think it's just... I mean, it's awful, but I think it's super important that everybody in wrestling kind of says, no, this isn't right. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just really appreciate you guys being ethical and, and, and moral with your coverage. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of uh, great stuff this week. So thank you guys. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Wes. Yeah, we mentioned that we, we talked about the Giselle Shaw, Rick Steiner incident on our uh, Supercard of Honor uh, post show on the cafe this past week. And um I I'm happy to see WrestleCon at least make a statement. Impact make a statement. Um, several wrestlers make a statement. I believe we yet to hear from the WWE about it. Yeah. So it's um, I I I'm of the belief he's under a Legends deal with with WWE. Well, he was at the Hall of Fame. He was at the Hall of Fame, which they um was there that night. Um, mm-hmm. and then later after the Hall of Fame, that's when uh, Giselle Shaw put out uh, you know the statement of what Rick Steiner had uh, said to her at the WrestleCon festival. So uh, there was no comment from Rick Steiner, like he has not addressed it in any way, but apparently was not welcome back at WrestleCon. Impact put out a statement as well supporting Giselle Shaw, and you know I was I was curious to see on the on the NXT broadcast as well, like if. The first time that Braun Breaker appeared on the screen and he's walking in the back, you could hear some boos, but then the match went through and like there were Rick Steiner spots that Braun Breaker did that, you know, certainly you might have questioned if if that was. I mean, they were you could argue there were the Scott Steiner spots as well, but well, coming out and barking like that's that's Rick Steiner and but it wasn't met like with negativity nor should it have been in yeah. terms of braun breaker that is not fair for a braun breaker um mm-hmm. that he like there is nothing he could have done differently for that situation so same way I, we shouldn't be vilifying shane mcmahon for appearing tonight because of what his father did you know for all we have no idea like you know what the attachment is but no for me i just want to know the company's stances but because rick steiner um from what i gather is still attached to the, the company and just because they're simply leaders in the industry you know 
Well, I think they will look at it as though it's yeah somebody that has a contractual tie to you as opposed to just being the uh, the authority in professional wrestling. But to me, uh, I'm glad Wes said that because it was the the ugliest mark, the ugliest stain on this weekend, and it should not be one that is uh, forgotten. Uh, we should talk about that, and you know certainly when. We are going to be going into the next cycle, into the next Saudi Arabia show. Like, let's remember here, like, why we talk about all of these subjects. And when we have someone like JC on that is stating, like, would not feel safe going to Saudi Arabia. I mean, a lot of this uh, all ties in uh, together, but it was a, a horrible incident that occurred. I felt terrible that Giselle Shaw had to be subjected to that. And the the fact that it was... You know, and to play out online where you're you're getting comments from from people like it's a it's a very ugly way to have to address a situation when there's always going to be a portion of people that are going to um, come back at you and not be supportive. So, yeah, that was a, a story that should not be forgotten this this weekend. Let's go up next to Richard. Thank you for waiting patiently. How's it going? Hey, guys. Can hey. you hear me? Yes, we yep. can. All right. So. Uh, at the risk of sounding corny, my father said when I was younger that bad things usually happen in threes. First, Shane gets injured. Felt terrible. Like, it was great to see him back. No one knew it was coming. And I thought Snoop and Miz did a pretty good job improvising on the spot. Like, I don't know if they communicated to him, to Snoop, when they had the camera on Miz or whatnot, but I thought they did. They made the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And then the Balor thing, uh, my friend that I was watching with pointed out the staples. I didn't see it, but he saw it at the very end. <clears throat> Kudos to Finn for being able to finish that. Like that looked, that throw with the ladder was brutal. He freaked it at him. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, what's the one bad thing that could happen to make it three? And of course, I'm thinking, they can't they can't screw this up with Cody. But they screwed it up with Cody. <laughs> I, I know I'm probably like the fifteen hundredth person that's dead, but like did Vince Russo get the book for the show or something? Like what the hell? I don't understand. How you just I don't I don't know. It's just I, I, I literally don't know what to say that hasn't been said already. I think Snoop Dogg would have been um, WWE champion by the end of the show if Vince Russo booked it. Oh, probably. There would have been like 10 more run-ins, too. Yeah. People that weren't even involved in the storyline. <laughs> in, in all honesty, when I saw Solo come out, I was kind of hoping, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, maybe we see something. There had been room. I had seen rumors that there was maybe Christian doing something with the Edge Brood thing with Gangrel. You know, maybe they're going to do something with Dustin. Maybe Dustin's the one that isolates Sokoa or something. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going. <laughs> it's really late, guys. I know. I, I I can tell you're you're pretty much in bed right now. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm on the couch. I'm I'm just <laughs> trying to do something somewhere quiet where the kids won't wake up. Well, we're glad so. you're comfortable because you know you you had to wait a while to get on. But we appreciate your thoughts and uh, yeah, no, a, a lot of people feel dejected. So. Yeah. One one last thing real quick. Um, I find it interesting lately, their video packages on a lot of things, they don't include guys that are working for AEW now. Like they didn't show Cesaro or Matthew and the Andre Battle Royal stuff, but they'll mention it on commentary, which I think is really cool. 
but the Brody Lee stuff that you know mm-hmm. like that like how do you like that's amazing and mm-hmm. I don't know if we would have seen that with Vince running the show not that Vince is heartless although we've seen instances of that but I just thought it was really cool they did that they I just thought you know like yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna screw the screw up the ending of the match you're gonna mess, mess with the booking at least you kind of did something like that with uh, Brody Lee Jr. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, Richard. Appreciate the call, and uh, hope you get some good rest. Uh, let's go up next to Eddie. Hey, Eddie, what's up? Yo, can you guys see? Can you guys see me? Hear me? Uh, we can uh, barely you. see you, but we can hear you. I it think looks like uh, I'm. Uh, it looks uh, like you're in the house of black right now. <laughs> first time, long time. Uh, I uh, left a voicemail, and uh, thanks for uh, my girlfriend. Thanks I'm a rock star for uh, ending up on a podcast. Uh, my recording, at least, uh, for GCW on Thursday night, I think. Um, oh, it's my fifth You're show. I just now. got back from uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, uh, no, but uh, I just got back from SoFi. Uh, I'm in a Raising Cane's parking lot. So uh, just uh, tried, wanted to chime in just to give you guys uh, some live feedback. Um, yes, please. So first, of, f- first and foremost, what's up? Oh, I said yes, oh, please. Sorry. So... <laughs> yeah, so who who had a who had a more disappointing uh outcome, uh Ferrari or uh Cody Rhodes? <laughs> I I'm sure Cody was as upset as Carlos Sainz was probably <laughs> by the end of it. Well, I mean, at least there weren't like dude, four dude. red flags in tonight's match. So God, that was a crazy stacking race. stacking that that stacking that race after WrestleMania night one was wild. That just like just staying up for that uh was yeah. was worth was worth it um but no uh yeah from from a live perspective tonight um i felt like uh, so a couple notes uh, uh going back on the previous callers uh feedback about the fin spot um like the, or i actually let me let me back up the snoop spot uh, he, mm-hmm. there was no there was no feedback given to snoop I, like i feel like he just went in there and improvised mm. like yeah uh, he he's the mvp for that like I, he just literally went in there and then got physical with the miz and i think it's just that there was a lot of confusion with the crowd because we didn't know if that was a work or not because i i was speculating that that uh miz was gonna just parade around that you know shane couldn't go and then here comes austin or rock uh, um but that wasn't the case and there was a lot of confusion with the fans about what is going on and the guy next to me like this, this guy tore his acl that's what that's what it looked like um uh they said then, it was his quad yeah, in the, so in the presser tra- yeah yeah and and shout out to, to snoop for that and then um the Balor match was also a lot of confusion there too, because the cameras kept going in and out for the, the like jumbotron uh, at SoFi. So we didn't know what was going on in terms of, you know, what happened to Finn. Um, I'm sure the broadcast caught, caught that, but there was like a lot of, it was like three minutes where it kind of calmed down the environment because, you know, we didn't know what was going on. I guess he got gashed pretty, pretty bad. Um, and WWE stance with blood. I guess, yep. but you know, he had mm-hmm. red paint, so I don't know why they they went that that effort. And then, uh, I mean, it's it's policy. It's match, just it's hygiene, uh, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of confusion for that too. And then, uh, lastly, with the Cody match, like uh, the environment there, everybody was was ready for Cody to be coordinated. Like that was the whole environment. 
the crowd was just waiting for it. They wanted it. You you could just uh, you could just cut it with a with a butter knife. Like and 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 when he lost, uh, I wasn't at WrestleMania thirty or when Brock beat uh, Undertaker. Well, it was kind of like that same vibe. Like people were just like people literally stormed out of the arena the minute that you know the one two three occurred. Um, so that was it, it. Was really interesting to see that because it just it was traditional like NWA Southern wrestling Southern wrestling booking the same thing that Cody the same formula Cody had in AEW, and for whatever it, it works, it works with WWE fans. They eat it up and. Um, they didn't pull the trigger and it was really weird. I was like, I think this is it. And no, it didn't happen. So a lot of fans left there disappointed. And one last thing with the ads, the ads at the, at the event, they, they boo the shit out of the ads every time. And uh, my, my thought perspective from that is great. WWE found another revenue stream. Good for them. But like, if I'm paying a hundred plus dollars, you know, to come to these events for each event, Last thing I want to do is see ads, you know, uh, at a wrestling show, you know, um, mm. it's just, it, and I get it, but it, a lot of fans were also very disappointed with those ads, like the turbo tax and all that it makes me not want to pay my taxes. You know, I don't do that. I don't encourage that, but you know, it's just, it, it's disappointing that, that there were so many ads, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great environment. Uh, you know, uh, first WrestleMania and uh, uh just i'm tired it was the show number five of this week and uh wow uh i'm as over it as you guys are <laughs> well thanks wow. a lot for the the feedback all weekend long we really appreciate it and thanks for uh calling in yeah absolutely and then uh just one final thing do you guys think that there's some vince influence in this wrestlemania booking because I know that John's kind of insinuating, like a lot of people in, in the journalism world kind of feel like Vince is still back there being a, a puppet master, so to speak. The, and, and I'll get offline. Like, do you guys, after this WrestleMania weekend, do you guys feel like that there's, you can insinuate that there might be some Vince influence with how the some of the booking finishes for this WrestleMania kind of occurred? I, I, I'm just curious to get your guys' thoughts on that. But uh, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, he had a presence all weekend long. I think it's natural that people are believing that, you know, he's I mean, they, they've said as much that I mean, even Nick Khan, who went from stating he has no influence on or no involvement in creative to, you know, he has ideas that he shares with everyone. And now it's it's more of a softened like, yeah, Vince is throwing in ideas, but Hunter is the final say so. So they're not even publicly denying that Vince is throwing in ideas so i mean it's left to your interpretation of what you watch of what might be a paul levesque influence what might be a, a vince idea that's thrown in there you're doing guesswork at that point but is is vince uh, submitting ideas uh, they have said as much that hunter uh, rely uh, speaks to vince and he's got a wealth of knowledge to dwell from but Paul Levesque has the final say. So that that's like from their own perspective of it. They're not even stating that it's like this, this hard and fast um, separation that they were at least kind of positioning at the beginning when Vince came back. Yeah. It's really hard for us to know unless there are like true hallmarks, like, um, uh, you know, guy coming out with a ridiculous name or uh, we can only speculate and, and it's really hard to know, but I imagine you're, you're not going to be completely, you know, 
rid of certain Vincisms just because you know he's not the the creative lead right now. Um, all right, we're running super late. We're two and a half hours into the show, so we got to wrap this thing up eventually. Uh, so we're gonna uh, cut cut the calls, and we're going to go to forum.postwrestling.com for a few of your written feedback pieces. Uh, John, would you like to start us off? Yeah, we're just going to kind of like skim through these. So um, apologies for people that left longer pieces of feedback. But uh, Cody from Maine thought night one was fantastic. The worst of the card was inoffensive while the big matches delivered. And says, uh, regarding the main event, what would have been set in stone as one of the best main events in company history, they blew it. For what? Cheap shock value? Trying to replicate Naito's chase for Jay to be the one a thousand days. To be honest, it doesn't matter. This definitely isn't a wait and see how it plays out for me. One of the biggest, one of the biggest fumbling of the bag moments in wrestling history. Mm, wow. Okay. One decision, eh? Like, will change people's, um, I mean, it, it was a big one. It absolutely was. Uh, okay. Let's go up next to um, <laughs> Christian from San Jose, who says, just wanted to pop in to say WWE really missed the opportunity to have Snoop Dogg perform the AEW remix version of Cody's thing <laughs> for the main event. Maybe next time. That is That's true. Pretty, the real fumble good. of the night. Uh, Chris from Scotland uh, says, an overall excellent weekend of wrestling and a great time to be a wrestling fan. I'm hoping that we hear from the gentleman who called in last night saying we thought Drew was going to win at Clash. We thought Sammy at, Sammy at Elimination Chamber. Why is Cody different? Because he was right. All in all, an excellent WrestleMania setting up nicely for the year ahead into the 40th i believe and that was asked, Andy. yes and he asks if not cody then who well some i, I would say that jay uso is one that people like i think there's a lot of story there and if you're looking at jay uso uh that's not happening for a long time and seth rollins i dude seth is not as hot as cody right now not not even close and seth is over seth is popular but you cannot not tell as hot me, as jay no not at all like that to me is like uh, you cannot make that argument to me of uh, Seth over Cody at the, at this juncture. Uh, let's go to Cause, who says, I went to night one and I think I made the right decision. I can't remember the last time I heard such insane reactions for a WrestleMania. The main event seemed three times hotter than last year's. Michael Cole had a career weekend. I've never heard him call matches with more genuine emotion and believability. I really hope Vince doesn't come back on the headset. I know people will be mad about Roman retaining. I guess they were about to pull the trigger on a Cody win, saw the upturn in business, and got gun shy about ending the bloodline storyline they threw me a curveball hey some unpredictability unpredictability in wrestling is good right curious to see where they take this okay pete in texas i guess i'm a rare positive fan but i was entertained both nights as i don't believe complaining is healthy night one we had big men flying ricochet to be fair listen last night everyone was raving about last night's show so i i don't think it's like fans that just find reasons to complain i think it's you know um genuine disappointment Yes, I think so. And people are like, that does not paint you as a negative fan to share your disappointment. I think it makes praise kind of empty if everything is great. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he goes on uh, stating that, um, uh, let's just skip here. Huge, huge pop for KO and Sammy. Uh, and then the bloodline is not fractured yet. The finish leaves Cody still in the picture. Again, the sponsorship doesn't bother me at all. They're supposed to take their money, but crazy not to. All in all, I say job well done. Success in my eyes. From Rumble on, they've been on fire. Hope it continues. And lastly, let's go to Shane from San Jose. She says there were some great matches over the last two nights, but the main event finish tonight reminds me why I no longer get invested in WWE or even follow the product that closely. They absolutely fumbled what could have what they could have had with Sammy and his brief involvement tonight 
bummed me out. WWE is fun to watch casually, and I always love your guys' coverage, but I can't get seriously invested. I've been disappointed too many times. Well, we hope you were not disappointed with the last two and a half hours for this post show. Oh my goodness, we yeah. gotta we gotta edit ourselves down. Um, thank last you, one here. Thank you, Felipe for from the, Chile. Yes, yeah. uh, thank you very much, Felipe. All right, that's gonna wrap things up again. Thanks to everybody that checked out our coverage this past week on the uh, Post Wrestling Cafe and at postwrestling.com. We hope that if you are sampling us for the first time, uh, you want to stick around. We are live here on the YouTube channel every Monday and Wednesday night and on the Post Wrestling Cafe throughout the week up at postwrestlingcafe.com. Video.postwrestling.com is where you can see our beautiful faces to add to the uh, the the wonderful voices that we uh, that we give you multiple times per week. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, very, very popular outlet for many listeners out there. And follow at Way0937, one of the most clever tweeters out there, whether it's about a reverse Morris trust or pointing out that after we all criticized the decision, WWE was right to change Bronson Rex Steiner's name into Braun Breaker, <laughs> uh, which was definitely played out this week. That reverse Morris trust tweet was really for a, an audience of, of two, and and uh, at least you you liked it, so thank you. There, there you have it. So uh, we will probably be speaking with you maybe more than once on Monday. It is uh, probably going to be uh, a crazy day, so we will see. Uh, we will be back Monday night with Rewind to Raw. Um, to be determined, uh, obviously, what the news is. And if we end up doing a breaking news show during the day, uh, we will do so if it uh, requires. So plenty of uh, more coverage to begin as we go into the post-mania period. So all of that at postwrestling.com. Thanks to everyone on the site for your help uh, this week. Way, thank you as always. and Thank you, John. You- well, yeah, tremendous work as always. Well, now we all get to sleep for uh, a couple of hours before that opening bell and business starts on Monday and we will see what the day has in store. Good night.